This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Always Forward Podcast. This is going to be a great, I mean, I fucking love all of these, but this one is with Gareth, my man, my man who just loves to beat me into submission every time I'm with him. And then like says I, he loves me and, he, and hugs me and it's, it's weird. Uh, and of course, you, you guys all know Tyler, um, the, my, my fearless jiu-jitsu coach, leader, um, and the reason why that I suck at jiu-jitsu. Um, You're welcome. 100%. Extreme ownership, right? Extreme, <laughs> extreme ownership. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. The, the <laughs> shitty technique doesn't fall far from the tree. Thanks, <laughs> 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 nice, Tyler. Yeah. The fucking killer. Dude, I've been wanting to have you on yes. since forever, this man. This is a huge honor. I'm, I'm so happy that schedules aligned. Yeah, man. And I was able to make it to Wilmington, North Carolina, a home away from home, a place I used to live for about six years uh, as I took the victory lap at UNCW. And Started training jujitsu at all. That's right. MMA you guys with, with you Tyler. Guys, you guys went to school together. Yeah, went to right. school together. Uh, I was in Argentina and was tackling someone on a kickoff playing rugby. Almost broke my neck and had uh, subluxation in my C4 and C5 vertebrae. So I had to hang up the rugby cleats and needed a replacement for that aggression and uh, love <laughs> and thirst for violence. And so I found Tyler at all rules MMA and uh, him and I had very similar introductions where I got my, my ass kicked uh, and ragdolled by a woman who was about 145 oh, really? pounds soaking wet, beat the living brakes off. So the same for story an almost. hour and a half. It was hope followed by Natalie. Yep. Shout out to them. And uh, I was like, I need to learn this fucking Jedi what, mind trick what martial belt, art. What belts were they at the time? They were like one stripe white belts. So <laughs> yeah, like new, like a hip escape, like break fall, like uh, maybe technical stand up on a fucking good day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was about the extent of it. I knew fucking nothing. I knew how to human torpedo tackle and I knew how to run at people with fucking freight train, like inertia. And that was about it. And that, and, didn't, that and didn't do you any good on the map. No fucking good whatsoever. It's as I quickly gassed out within the first 30 seconds and was being strangled by my own arm shortly <laughs> shortly after. So, yeah. Uh, then to, welcome then to Jiu-Jitsu. Then to be passed on to the tiny Venezuelan. Yeah. Who also uh, the, the, the Hugo Chavez of the mats who uh, would, again, just beat the shit out of you, talk crap to you while you suffocated in his uh, Gio Armani scented key. He, was, he always <laughs> smelled good. At least he was cleanly about his ass beatings. And uh, he would call me on like Sunday mornings because he knew, you know, rugby was Saturdays. We'd have big rugby parties at the Key Lime Casa. Shout out to anyone who was at those wild shindigs. But long story short, he called me at like 7 a.m. But I get it. It's time to get the sand out of your mangina. Meet me at the academy. You show up. I give you the pressure. I'd be like, fuck, not again. I don't want the pressure. And for two hours, he beat the living shit out of me. Yeah, and essentially uh, listened to reggaeton while he did it. So it, it seemed like this nice, warm, inviting yeah, environment. Yeah. I was like, oh, we're going to dance. This sounds great. Yeah. And lo and behold, he would literally, for two hours straight, no water breaks, no timeouts. It was basically me getting submitted at least 500 times in a row and him just fucking loving it every second of the Sunday Funday Rollathon. And uh, yeah, Tyler was part of those. I mean, you definitely. Yeah. If, if you uh, asked him, like, hey, you know, how can I fix this? He'd tell you to grab uh, this lapel, this lapel, <laughs> a squat, 
and let the sand fall out. You, you, oh, you want to defend the amba? You need to grab lapel, grab lapel, you squat, and get the sand out of your mangina. That's not working. Because so, all the sand's out. No, this makes so much more sense of how <laughs> yeah. Tyler coaches me now. I This like gets it. I'm like, hey, so, I want to improve know. on this. And he's like, yeah, you should just be tougher. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. cool. Same coaching style. <laughs> he doesn't tell you where you fucked up. He just repeatedly puts you in that position. So you fuck up to the point where you learn. Yeah, I remember him telling me that that was like his first thing. He goes, what would I mean, you say? You're like, yeah, I basically got beat up by a chick. And you were like, yeah, I need to learn this. Yeah. Exactly. 100%. It was an unbelievably humbling experience. I had gotten into martial arts when I was uh, probably four or five years old. I actually learned this uh, art form called Ishinru, which was uh, actually what the Japanese feudal army used to train their soldiers during World War II. And this guy, Ed McGrath, who was a, uh, I think he was like a Marine major maybe after World War II, stayed in Okinawa, learned this ancient feudal Japanese samurai art form, and then basically brought it back to the United States. My dad trained directly under him and kind of as a, uh, a negotiation type training strategy for his young sons, he put us through martial arts arts uh from the time we were like four years old onward and my brother was a very accomplished full contact fighter um and it was actually legit fighting it wasn't just like doing katas to fucking invisible opponents like it was full-on kickboxing with stand-up samurai jujitsu and like a fusion of like kempo and karate but not point scoring karate like legitimate like head kicks you know liver kicks like it was a very effective martial art so i started off in that and then i got into more traditional sports like lacrosse football um, and then when I played rugby in college, I didn't want to get my ass kicked on the rugby field. So I got into boxing mm. and boxed at this little gym, 23rd and Palm Remember that? downtown by, uh, Salvation army. And we actually had a lot of Marines. So we get the Marine Corps national boxing team to go there. And I was like, you know, 18 years old, young, dumb, full of calm and just wanted to toughen up. And these guys would rock my bell on a regular basis. And I just kept showing up and. You know, that's kind of where I learned how to box. Boxing led to, you know, me wanting to get into jujitsu. Jujitsu led me into learning Muay Thai, Dutch style kickboxing, and then eventually fighting, you know, in MMA. But, uh, yeah, had it not been for the mutual ass beating that we got at All Rules MMA, I probably never would have stuck with jujitsu. And Tyler and I never would have, you know, uh, created this lifelong friendship then, of course. Yeah. What year was that? This was 2010. Yeah. 2010. Yeah. Wow. Did somebody tell you that you needed to go do jujitsu or did how did that so so i had a group of friends at wilmington um alex mike coleman uh a few other cats evan uh evan's uh with 10th mountain division now and then uh mike coleman's uh a special agent out in uh south dakota but long story short we trained and we basically just tried to emulate ufc moves that we saw on a saturday night yeah. watching tv in our dorm rooms and and so it was just like us trying to fumble around and figure things out on our you guys, own. Which, were you guys wearing like tap out shirts and drinking light beer? I wasn't that close. I think it was more of an affliction guy. Myself. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> All right. But, but definitely had a shirt that has three sizes too small. I think it had like a, 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 a like metallic dragon on it or something. <laughs> was it bedazzled? And yeah, it was, it was definitely bedazzled. I think Tyler wanted a bar one day and I told him to fuck off because I loved it so much. But uh, yeah, so we would I basically play tap, nap, or snap in the uh, the rec center of UNCW till the security would usually kick us out. And um, yeah, we trained on these little like blue non-padded mats and we'd usually end up with like borderline concussions. <laughs> like definitely, you know, broke a toe or two on more than one occasion and, and definitely like did not know how to break fall or spot landing. So we, we jacked each other up pretty good. And then um, it was actually Andrew Pappas, rest in peace. Awesome dude, gifted wrestler, one of the most talented human beings I've ever met, invited me to All Rules MMA. Uh, and that's where I had that, that fateful beatdown with Hope and Natalie. And that's in turn where I met Tyler. 
um, shortly after. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that guy, uh, Jeff, who was uh, he? He wanted a cage fight, and yes, and uh, he. I met him at Cape Fear Community College, and he invited me. That was your and, invitation. And then I was starting to feel is pretty good. Is that our Jeff? Jeff? No, no, no. This is oh, a different okay. Jeff. Uh, I haven't talked to him in years, but I started to feel okay about being in there. And then along comes Gareth. Oh, and geez. as soon as he walks it's in the door. It's horrible, dude. Yeah. It's horrible. Our, our coach goes, uh, you two together. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I got, you know, wrecked. How, how long have you been there before before? Tyler shows up uh, before. I think we honestly, he might have shown up before, maybe, and, and then maybe we just by a month or two. Yeah, oh, we okay. just we crossed paths one night, and we instantly kind of vibed and hit yeah. it off. And uh, you know, he could kind of explain more about your transition into jujitsu because I do want to hear that. You know, integration from the Marine Corps to how you found we did that. You did yep. okay, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. That's, so that was kind of so as just, he was. That just shows that how good of a friend he is. He didn't yeah. listen to that podcast, right? No, no, I did. I, I listened to the whole thing. I just you know for the, the whole for the captive played. audience that didn't listen to that, you know, just a little now that Gareth, introduction. Right. Now Gareth's bringing all the listeners, right? <laughs> now it's a Gareth show. Apparently, I'm just commandeering this shit. Yeah, he, he <laughs> put is, the episode. This on is play. Gareth always forward. Thank you very much, right. guys. Hell yeah! <laughs> Slamming the battle axe down on the table. I wonder if now, I wonder if those girls are still rolling. They. They are not. They're Natalie, not. I talked to Natalie just the other day. She is no longer training. She got back into it for a minute and just can't find the time. What do they what do they get up to? Do you remember? You know? She I was a blue with blue a few stripes purple, yeah, or something okay. like that. Yeah. Um and uh Hope Hope got her black belt. Good for you, um, Hope. Yeah, she's she's great. She ended up uh taking over like administration straight of stuff at the the gym, at the gym. that they own together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so she, I think she took a back seat for Competing and stuff like that, but certainly well deserved. She was a world champion. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Yeah, legit. Yeah, legit. Well, see, you got you got beat up by uh, you know yeah. a future world champion. A hundred percent. No big deal. No, no. You know what I mean? Every day happens all the time. <laughs> I actually, get my ass kicked a lot. I mean, if, if you're not showing up with the intention of getting your ass kicked, you do. You're, you, you're going you, to the wrong. You go academies. seek. You go seek out the. Uh, yeah. You so you go seek out the heavy hitters, don't you? Yeah, I, I go and train with the best guys and girls in the world for that specific reason. You know, uh, I had the fortunate privilege of being down in uh, Puerto Rico last April and got to train with you know the down her desk squad first hand so my, my jujitsu rolling experience was you know basically drinking rum the night before in a friend's bachelor party waking up at 6 a.m in the mornings and getting thrashed by uh the jujitsu giant my friend dan manisau just qualified for the adccs uh, six foot nine juggernaut from the uh Jesus. vlad the impeller lands of romania so not only is he a fucking beast on the mats but he's also part vampire um and then gordon ryan and then uh you know i was the only idiot that would also go live with uh Nick Rodriguez. So yeah, thanks, so, Nick, for so, yeah, smashing so, me into so the you match. Told, you told me back when we were in uh, the PB Abate uh, fight camp. Yes. Um, it, but to go ahead and for the listeners, like, how was that? Because <laughs> <laughs> the story of you, like, you're you're a black belt. Yeah. You're you know fighting. Mm-hmm. You've got some decent accolades under your belt yeah yeah it's like, like uh trying to grapple you're, you're, like you're a, no chump a, a, a freight train <laughs> locomotive that's got no brakes and you're yeah. just like trying to hold on for dear life and just not get steamrolled um yeah one of the most athletically gifted explosive grappling iqs i've ever uh locked horns with so did it feel like you just didn't know anything or just yeah just like getting beat to positions and just getting really controlled on the inside and you know you make small little uh advantages and then you quickly get smashed uh, to the point where you're in the worst possible spot um so yeah a lot of envisioning things going good in your head and then just disastrously falling apart 
the point where you're at the crucible and mercy of, of him trying to crush your soul. So, yeah, fucking great. A ton of fun, and I highly recommend it for everyone. <laughs> hey, speaking of the best jujitsu, how were your roles uh, this morning? Uh, they were great. They were great. Up until I rolled Tyler, he's got this weird creepy thing with my feet. Um, but no, <laughs> no, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Crest BJJ is an awesome Academy with, uh, Excelsior technique. Um, really good group of tough girls and guys the, yeah, who the are willing cr- to the morning learn crew is- and humbly, yeah. you know, play tap, nap or snap with each other, but really tough guys, really tough a uh, lot of, you know, uh, military veterans, a lot of, you know, first responders. Um, so really pro-military and pro-law enforcement environment, which uh, I think just brings about just a really good cadre of tough people to, to train with and get better with. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I didn't really think about it, but everybody's something. There's not many. Or what, yeah, or was something. Then everybody, see, I feel like when we go to other gyms and stuff like that, I've never seen quite that. No. amount of people that were like for either like just the tactical realm so everybody's very very yeah aggressive and something yeah i mean you guys can explain so so the majority of those guys like marsoc marines what what's their they're, they're their either m- military or some form of law enforcement i mean okay. we have some a couple civilians out there um yeah, very very few and oh in speaking of where the hell was stratton this morning i know oh he must have caught wind of that and saw that post and he's like nah. slept in <laughs> <laughs> slept in, you know. Oh, he's gonna hear this. Um, yeah, he's a, he's an avid listener. Yeah, we're talking to you, Stratton. We're talking to you, Stratton. Where were you? you better come tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he's not gonna hear that. But <laughs> <laughs> if you don't come tonight, I'm talking about you in the next podcast. <laughs> um, so, all right, before we get into you know everything, Gareth, uh, mm-hmm. let's let's go with something. Tell me your most embarrassing story. Uh, so, actually, took place here in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, it was a public speaking class, which. Apparently for a lot of people is, is one of the greatest fears, you know, No, that's right? actually the greatest it, fear. It, it is the number yeah, one. Yeah. It's the number yeah. one fear. So, yeah. uh, like, like everyone who has trepidations about public speaking, I was scared shitless to do a public speaking presentation on a topic of choosing, uh, and a skill set that was teachable to the audience, uh, hopefully captive audience listening to myself speak in front of the glass. Right. Yeah. So I had this amazing presentation on a topic of interest, which was the sport of rugby and, uh, made this amazing slideshow had, uh, the Rolling Stones sympathy for the devil playing in the background and just this action packed, intense hit right off the jump to really just, you know, gain the attention of the viewership and just get them captivated by what I was about to speak on. And and so, you know, roll out this great presentation, you know, uh, two minutes go by, three minutes go by and I'm looking around the room and people are like looking down at their phone. People are fucking like borderline falling asleep. Like everyone's doing anything they can to not pay attention. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I think this is pretty exciting. Like what's going on? Like, isn't, isn't this engaging enough? And I turn around and there's nothing on the fucking screen. So for close to three and a half, four minutes, my presentation, all it was was music, like ugh, grunts and groans as men got tackled into the ground and no visual for the audience to even know what fucking sport I was trying to teach <laughs> and show them. So, uh, quickly pivoted, recovered, realized I forget, forgot to, press the projector button and, uh, you know, did so. And then at that point tried to recover and apologize profusely, uh, for the two and a half minutes of absolute boredom and white screen that everyone was forced and tortured to, to watch. <laughs> but th- that was probably one of the most embarrassing moments. So like taking a big fear and then coupling with that, something that failed horribly and wasn't executed the way it was supposed to be. And, and I would say that was probably one of the most embarrassing moments. Wow. That um, stands out still as one of the most embarrassing yeah, moments. Yeah. yeah How many people were in the, uh, in the audience? Uh, it was 
probably like 16 to 18 people. So it's, de- decent back It's glass. funny because it doesn't even matter if it's like yeah, one. Yeah, if it was one or <laughs> fucking 1,600. Yeah, yeah, it was you the failed. same shock factor. I was like, <laughs> fuck, yeah. I failed miserably. Right. So again, something you envision going good in your head. I was, not, think, I was not thinking that. I was. Yeah. I would think that it would have been something. Mm. Shitty. Yeah, like fight. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah so, fight, so I, oh, fighting, yeah, yeah, like fighting or something. Oh, so but, something but it, fighting related. So yeah, no, 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 no. no. I, that's a good story. I'm just, I'm surprised that it's not like. <laughs> yeah, give us a shitty you, story. You can, let, right. you can let them rip. All right. So, so there's, yeah, there's a, a. I would say this is like an equally shitty story, but um, yeah. So I, I signed up for this fight on like a week's notice. Um, a few days before, I was hanging out with my Brazilian girlfriend at the time, so I really didn't get that much training in. And long story short, I just wanted to compete. I wanted to, uh, you know, have something on the calendar. So I scheduled the well, fight. And you're like, I'm Gareth. I smash. Yeah. yeah I, no big deal. I smash. <laughs> you mean he was skipping training for chicks? What is that about? <laughs> uh, no, never. Uh, so long story short, I was yeah, training, you, I was training, where, I was training with chicks. I just had the wrong training partners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and long story short, so, uh, all right, so get ready for this fight. I take it on like four days notice. I got to cut, I think like 12 or 15 pounds, which isn't an extreme amount, but difficult nonetheless. Um, yeah. And a week. I, yeah. And I, and I go, uh, my coach picks me up. We're driving on the LIE or Southern state and, uh, we're driving South and I see in the left-hand lane, a car literally flip over on the fucking roof invert and go like complete wheels up and skid probably 10 feet and come to a, screeching halt and i'm like brandon pull over pull over so brandon and i my coach he's a, a third degree black belt um pull over we get out we jump the divider and we realize there's a family in this vehicle so we literally help like a mom and her three kids get out of this vehicle we're pulling them out um from the car as the engine block is starting to smoke and it looks like it's going to catch fire so we're pulling them out we get them out we realize that like they're safe aside from a few cuts and like a, a mild concussion we get them to the side of the road um wait for the state troopers to come and then finally they clear up the accident and torture comes whatever they're they're good they're safe so that was on the way to this fight <laughs> then i go and um i go home i gotta stop home and i gotta get some like water and i think my mouthpiece and like the whole time i'm trying to hide it from the fact that i'm about to jump in a ring and fight uh for my mom so i'm like trying to be all secretive moving around the house she's like oh where are you going i'm like oh i'm going to the gym mom i'm uh yeah i got jujitsu practice she's like why do you have a mouthpiece she's like uh what's up with the vaseline she's like asking me all these interrogative questions like she knows what's up she knows i'm going to fight but she doesn't like call me out on it so long story short i sneak out of the house grab all my shit get to the venue it's like a uh it's like the Sons of Italy Lodge in like Deer Park. If anyone knows Deer Park, it's off uh, Deer Park Avenue. And I get there and it's like a sea full of like Russians and probably Albanians and just a bunch of this guy's supporters. So it totally tells me it's a setup fight. So I'm in the back warming up, um, you know, just cracking pads, throwing, you know, low kicks, just working on some of the techniques that I want to utilize. And they call my name. And as I'm walking out, A, they, they don't play my song which is rage against the machine killing in the name of so like i don't have walkout music Blasphemy. and then they announce my fight as a muay thai fight i'm like what the fuck so we walk out <laughs> to the ring i'm like i didn't sign up for muay thai what the fuck is this so they're like oh, oh we, we made a mistake so, at, a mistake. so, at the so time, as i'm walking out to the ring they're announcing my fight as a muay thai fight um did so you, did you know muay thai back then not really i mean i knew like a teep kick i knew how to throw a low kick like, that was about the extent of it but now, i wasn't now you're trained in muay thai yeah, now you are now yeah i spent yeah. time in thailand and, yeah. and i'm well versed in muay thai and dutch style kickboxing and regular boxing but at that point i was very very green to jujitsu very green to boxing very green to all martial yeah. arts involving combatives 
So all of a sudden, I'm like shook. They're telling me it's a Muay Thai fight. So we go back to the locker room. Long story short, we get out, and uh, they, they reannounce it as, as what it's supposed to be and get out into the ring. And touch gloves, tough uh, Russian kid from, uh, I think, East Coast MMA or uh, East West MMA. And we scrap right off the bat. Um, they're like a few low kicks, start chopping his base down, exchange with fist strikes. Um Split him open pretty early, so he's got a cut on his orbital, which I think was a inadvertent headbutt. Didn't mean to, but heads collide, <laughs> splitting. So I start tasting his own blood. So now I, I naturally start getting more aggressive and kind of you know uh, smell the blood in the water. And so I try to initiate a takedown. I initiate a takedown. We go out of the ring, and this is like an old school like pro wrestling ring. So it's like duct tape turnbuckles. It's fucking <laughs> decrepit fighting surface. It's like Fight Club shit, but lower quality. And take him out. Then we reset. And right as I have an underhook and an overhook, and I'm trying to go for an outside trip, um, my right foot buckles, literally gives out on me. He lands in full mount. And this is in front of my little brother, my older brother, my dad, and my coach, Brandon, who are literally at this point three, so feet, your whole three fa- feet away from me. Your whole family Everyone knew, is there. Your whole family knew about this fight, just not your mom. Just not my mom, yeah. <laughs> well, well, mama doesn't know, can't hurt me. Sorry, she mom. She knows now. <laughs> she knows now. You're going to find out. So long story short, he fucking starts raining punishment on me. I I can't do anything but cover up and try to roll, and I inadvertently roll away. Uh, As I roll away, he extends my arm in a brutally tight arm bar, hyperextending my elbow, and the ref at that point calls it because my arm's about to snap in half. And long story short, literally get submitted and humiliated uh, like – high five distance for my little brother, my older brother, my dad, all the important males in my family watch me fucking swallow the bitter pill of defeat as I get my arm hyperextended in front of a sea of Russian Albanians. And uh, to their applause and, and acclaim, I, uh, I lose to their champion. So embarrassing, uh, maybe just like just defeating feeling, but yeah, definitely embarrassed your first, to get my ass kicked your first in front loss? of my family. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I would say so. Is all those Russians is how you end up, which we'll get there. Is that is that why you ended <laughs> up in Russia? Yeah, potentially. Uh, yeah, a little period like, of justice. I'm, I'm going to go to Russia. Yeah, and you fuck. may have won the battle, but I'm winning the war, <laughs> I'm bitches. Com- I'm coming <laughs> back. I'm coming to Zumatherland. <laughs> Probably, yeah, honestly. How old were you? Uh, I was like 20, 21. 20, oh, wow. Yeah, super young. Super, yeah. young. super green, super young. Had you started at All Rules yet? Yes. Yeah. So at that point I had, uh, I was living down in Florida and I had one MMA fight before that. Um, I was training with Bruno Malfacini in, uh, Alliance or Alliance Orlando, uh, with Brad Thompson, Bruno Malfacini, Jim Allers, uh, UFC vet. Um, my boy, Nick, uh, good crew and, and good cast of veterans, both in the UFC, Bellator and had a good, good team around me. So I, I did have some, preparation although it was last minute and at that point i still hadn't developed my striking or you know even my jujitsu for mma to any high level you know yeah wow just throwing just throwing just throwing yourself in there basically and that's what i wanted to do i mean i i had people literally tell me like oh don't fight until you're at least a blue belt or a purple belt i was like fuck that like you're doubting my abilities like watch me i'm gonna go and i'm gonna fight and i'm gonna scrap and i'm gonna fucking win and if i don't whatever there's blue belts in main main cards on ufc right now yeah exactly exactly and winning so yeah i mean make sure you got a good camp make sure you dedicate the time for any aspiring fighters you know make sure you're doing equal parts jujitsu equal parts wrestling equal parts striking um but don't let anyone dissuade you from your ultimate goal of fighting Um, because there's gonna be a lot of naysayers and a lot of people that dissuade you and 
quite honest, just criticize you away from that passion. Um, and did you catch the uh, the last last week's fights? I caught like the highlights, the, did you? the tail end. Yeah, I didn't I didn't watch the full card. It was um, the best uh, UFC fight night that I've seen. Really, yeah. really good prelims. We we were like. All Loving all the prelims. Nice. Yeah. All of the prelims are the best. It, yeah. it was crazy. Who, man. Uh, who in particular? It was um, crazy. Any notable fights that you guys saw? Um, well, MJ like, for sure. MJ, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that was like coming off of a, what is it over a year? Or just just a, yeah. about a year of an injury and mm-hmm. some other things going on. Um, that was just a who, like a beautiful who, who, fight. Who did he fight? I don't remember. I don't remember his name. I have to look it up. Okay, she'll yeah she'll pull it up. But um, yeah, knockout. I think second round, second round knockout. Yeah, nice. Um. Like a, a four punch combo, awesome, and then just he just dropped, dropped him, yeah. Yep. After a year, a year out, and then um, I got word that he um, he's got four more fights lined up now. Good, good yeah, with the UFC. That's awesome. We'll be talking to him this weekend. Okay, on the podcast. Yeah, Very through cool. he's a, he's good friends with uh, Sydney Gordon, the CEO of Cormad. Okay, so they're longtime friends. Um, I've heard some really, <laughs> really rad stories from from said about him like off the books <laughs> and he, he uh, seems like a wild shot i mean yeah you, you have to be to, yeah. to lock yourself in the cage with um, being. but uh the other fight man I, I don't know their names the uh i think it was the bantamweight ladies okay um i think it was the same whatever i think it was the same belt um as or the same whatever as thug rose and esperanza or whatever her name is strawweight 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 yep. yeah so that fight was fucking garbage. Okay. Did you the, see that? Doug Rose no. fight. It was like nothing it. happened. An entire, an entire, uh, all the rounds. Three rounds of dancing. Nothing. Just pitter patter dancing around. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were, they were just both scared. Yep. And then she lost didn't, the belt because of it. Didn't want to engage. Yeah. yeah. And then the then on the prelim, they're on the prelims. Dude, they were straight trying to murder each other. Yes. That was amazing. They were after it. Yeah. Amazing. There, there's a young uh, Israeli fighter. Who had a sick debut? I don't know if that was his uh, UFC debut. I think he fought in the prelims. Uh, he fights out of Extreme Couture. That that was a really good fight. I did this last one. Yeah, I did see the highlights of that. What was it, what's his name? Um, is his name Artem? No, it's not. I'm thinking Artem. We watched the whole thing. The whole every single fight, all the way until the end, was just. It was it was, was just amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, they do a good job with the prelims. Actually, I, I was while I was living in Abu Dhabi, I was I was looking forward to October twenty second. They're having uh, the UFC come to Fight Island, yeah. which is at Yas Marina, right next to the Formula One track. And did you see the uh, did you see the uh, highlight of uh, what's it? Raychik is that his name? How do you pronounce it? Yeah, it is knee pop. Oof, that was brutal. Brutal, yeah. bro. Yeah, I was like. Who did he I fight? Mean, Jan? Did he find Jan Blahovic? The, the big, the big Swede. Okay. Yeah, that's, I okay. think that's his, how you say his name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he would have won anyway. Mm-hmm. I think he. I, I just based off what I was watching and the way yeah. he was going. I mean, they're both phenomenal people. But um, what caused the need to give out? He said it was another an injury, but it it actually it looked like an ACL pop. But the whole knee in slow motion, you watch it pop. He like steps back on it. Uh, and you watch it actually his whole knee just go contort and we can throw up we can Man. you know for those of you listening and watching we can, we'll have the clip what up there of, but was it these shifting or was the knee down that went it, down it, 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 it went patella tendon probably the, then. it was on the outside of it Oof. so it's so a lateral LCL, patella tendon, yeah. ACL. I think I think they I think oh, they said man. it was a ACL, but you watched the whole thing and because when that shift. popped, his whole kneecap went down and oh, back. God. Yeah, and he just and that was it. Especially the slow mo reels. He just he dropped total knee destruction. Yeah. yeah he just that's, dropped. 
People don't realize the uh, physical toll that, you know, combat sports pose on the joints and ligaments. And we were talking about it. You know, I was wrestling with a, you know, young cat on, on Monday night. And, uh, you know, he shot in for a low single. And I stepped back. And as I was stepping back, my left knee planted, buckled. And I felt my MCL and my meniscus pop. And, um, yeah, it's just such a temperamental structure. You know, knees and shoulders. And you really got to be selective with who you train with and who yeah. you roll with uh, for that reason. Yeah, especially at a certain level. Yeah, if you're going to be a competitor, you got to pick and Safeguard choose. your body. Be yeah. smart. That's what yep. I keep telling my wife. I'm like, you don't have to roll. You don't have to say yes to everybody in Crest. No. No. Hey, mom, mom. Mama, mama didn't raise no bitch, right, Allie? I mean, I'm just trying to get better. So Yeah. You're getting better. No, and, and, and that's <laughs> your, I mean, your husband on the other hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keeping an open mind is good. And, 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 and you know, rolling with a diverse uh, array of different you know, training partners is, is definitely essential to that development. You know, I was talking to Nick before. It's good to have uh, training partners that are less skilled than you so you can mentor them and coach them with techniques and improve their game, right? It's good to have people that are the same skill, strength, technical level as you so you can really test and gauge yourself before yeah. a competition with someone who's equal playing field. And then it's good to have the guys who smash you, you know, and, and just really put you in horrible, horrible positions. Yeah, because when I started with Crest, that's what I came to the, they call it the Simpson Silver class mm -hmm. in the morning. So that's, <laughs> that it was up. like, that morning crew yeah. is. It's a wrecking crew. It's a wrecking crew, yeah, man. 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. I wish I had more chance to roll with everyone uh, this morning, but, you know, I definitely will come back. Yeah. And, just a great depth of, of people. So that's that. a, so it's it's weird for me when I go to a different class, mm -hmm. and I'm used to just getting fucking pounded. Yeah, pounded. Yep. And then I'm like, oh, this is not the way it always is. Exactly. <laughs> I don't always have to be the nail. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. I can be the hammer. This is awesome. This, this is, is great. Way, it's way better. Yeah. Wow. Holy hell. So we'll be what seeing you more thought. in the evenings. <laughs> no. No. I like I like my I like my morning guys. Yeah. Yeah. I had to beg him to come last night. I was begging. To last night's yeah. class. Yeah. You had to, you had to be yeah. begged to go. But but it's good, right? Class. Like there's a good amount of, you know, uh, lower belts, middle belts and then the higher belts, right? Well, it's and a good the, diversity. That's right? a fundamental. The girls yeah. always that's come in night. class. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. So it's good to roll with guys, but you also need the female uh, realism. Well, and she's competing. She's competing on the twenty eighth. Oh, well, awesome. Whereabouts? Yeah. Um, Myrtle Beach. Oh, incredible. That's yeah. awesome. It's exciting. We'll see. You just got to treat it like another day at the office, like another role. I she's mean, gonna crush it. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna dominate. I hope so. Bring bring it home, babe. Yeah. I'll buy you a steak. <laughs> Otherwise, you're getting I don't know something else. Chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Call it cold frozen chicken nuggets. <laughs> you and uh, you and. Demetri, you're sharing uh, nugs. I don't think that fits into my macros. Yeah. Um, all right. So before we get into talking about what you you, you do now, like let's t let's talk about Russia. Yeah. Well, I guess you got to back up before Russia to talk a little bit about your fighting career, but like I, I want to hear. Yeah. I want to so, hear about Mother Russia. Yeah. So so I got the opportunity um, in 2018 uh, to represent the United States and go to uh, Minsk, Belarusia. But how did um, how like what were you doing? So so basically, that? I went to this gym, international training center, in a basement in uh, Queens, and I had a tryout, and I just basically like had seven or eight dudes who were waiting for me to this fucking spar heavy and just knocked my head off, and, and that was kind of how I mean, they set you, it up. Were you with a? a uh, a promoter before then? Or? Yeah, I, I had fought for a few different promotions. And then, um, you know, I put kind of MMA on the back burner. So I competed in MMA from like, man, when I was 20 to probably like 20, uh, 23, 24. And then I started to uh, get in the process to become a federal special agent. 
And so I was in that for like two and a half years. So then I kind of regressed from MMA. I just heavily concentrated on a improving my skills and coaching, uh, at the UFC gym, but then also, uh, you know, pursuing my black belt. Uh, so when the federal special agent process didn't materialize, then I, uh, tried to get into Naval special warfare. So I was part of this, uh, it's called the warrior challenge was a prep program where we had two SO one, uh, seals who basically prepped us in the PST qualifications for, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Entry, yeah, your entry level. Entry yeah. Level yeah. So I was doing that. that, um, was sparring, uh, Muay Thai threw a low kick. He checked it with his knee. Long story short, broke my foot. Um, two days later, I still ran in like a 4.5 mile run around Lake Ronkonkoma for Michael Murray's Michael Murphy's memorial. And then like the first quarter mile, I planted, buckled, popped, swelled up, couldn't walk on it for like three months. Still was doing uh, the PSTs and still getting qualifying scores, but my foot was just incapacitated. Was it all from fighting or just? It, just it, it was like a, a combination of breaking my foot in my first ever MMA fight, oh, and okay. then re-injuring it in uh muay thai sparring and then like destroying it in a running event um around lake Ronkonkoma. it was just so it was just just residual just overuse mileage. never let yeah. yeah mileage and never letting my foot truly heal and just kind which, of training which, through it which so there's a lesson there for young people yeah you like know. listen to your body uh it, it doesn't pay to to be tough sometimes sometimes it's good to just dial it back you know, I think, we, I think we, lose, we lose that though. We lose that thought, especially when we're young. We're like, we got to mm. drive, we got to drive, we got to yes. drive. Yes. But it's like, you don't realize how much life you have to live. Yeah. It, you know, it, exactly. Take it, taking six months off to to rehab properly, you know, can actually. It pays dividends. It yeah. pays dividends for a career. Like maybe, mm. maybe your career, your, you know, if it's a fighter career, your military career, whatever it is that you want to do, you might have a lot more time in it exactly. if you give the time to your body. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's been my detrimental fatal flaw, just overtraining and, and not listening to my body. Gareth, what was the uh, first level of law enforcement you applied for? Uh, the ATF. Right. ATF. So, uh, without mentioning any names and stuff, tell can you tell what happened? Yeah. Why that went down? And, yeah. And so train? that that was yeah that was pretty wild experience. So uh, yeah, it was basically actually Tyler the the fortunate privilege of. Uh, you know, meeting devil woman, but, uh, long story short, we won't mention any names. Um, you know, I was basically in a relationship where, uh, you know, I was basically very one-sided. Um, and there was a lot of, uh, manipulation control you know long story short i would try to go to jujitsu some mornings and i would get barricaded in the apartment and then just <laughs> randomly punched in the mouth uh or you know when i was trying to break up with this individual uh basically got threatened basically uh they pulled a knife on me and they were like if you uh leave and break up with me then i'm gonna use this knife on either you or myself and so long story short um Jesus. yeah did she poop in your bed she probably probably because <laughs> <laughs> i had this i had this case of pink eye for like two years too, that all makes sense. too soon yeah so so long story short uh you know i basically basically she took my cell phone i went back to the apartment to try to retrieve my cell phone at that point she pulled a knife on me at the point of getting a knife pulled on me basically she's like all right if you leave and break up with me i'm gonna either cut you or i'm gonna slit my wrists i was like holy shit this is crazy so i was like the twilight zone bye, I basically bye, felicia was numb i basically didn't react in any emotional way. I was just shocked and, and horrified that this was taking place. Long story short, um, you know, I conceded to her wishes. I let her do her thing. She locked herself in the bedroom. At that point, I just waited on the couch because I didn't want her to hold up to her side of the bed and do anything to, to hurt herself. And how old were you at the time? Uh, I was like 20, 25. So you're not, um, you don't even have like the 
emotional intelligence. No, to, to exactly. Deal with I didn't kind know. Of I, I never in the wildest yeah. dreams thought this shit was going to happen to me. And and leading up to that, I was in the process for two and a half years. So I did every aspect of the federal special agent process, the polygraph that you know test, the background check, the investigation, the panel interview, all the diagnostic and you know IQ testing, the emotional testing. I basically call. was waiting for the phone call to go down to Fletzy and start my dream job of being a federal special agent. Yeah. Um, and she knew that. She saw me study. She she saw how much this meant to me that I put all my ambitions of fighting and jujitsu on the back burner for this uh, pursuit of this goal. And that's why she held it over my head. And that's why she did what she did. And I still have no ill will towards her. I really don't. But, um, you know, what she did was, was absolutely evil. Long story short, I wait on the couch, you know, police roll in like fucking seal team six, you know, draw down on me. I'm basically, uh, sitting on the couch at that, this point, just concede arrest. I get arrested. I basically, uh, spent a night in central booking um long story short uh, i have to go through this whole court process and i lose the opportunity to become a federal special agent um at that point i pivoted and i was like all right i'm just gonna continue teaching continue coaching pursue my black belt and really just invest my time towards bettering my clients um working with kids with special needs teaching uh kids with down syndrome boxing jujitsu muay thai which you still do to this which i still do yeah yeah um and then also just being there more full-time for my clients, um, you know, for strength and conditioning, weight loss, really just trying to empower people and not let my negative situation affect, uh, you know, my quality of life. Long story short, uh, then I started to get the itch if, well, federal special agent processes can, then I want to go and pursue a military career. And so that's when I started to train uh, with the NSW group um, to basically prep and prime myself for the rigors of buds. At that point, you know, after probably seven, eight months of like finally getting my swim time down, finally getting my run time down, like at two thirty, making decent times. I wasn't the fastest guy in two feet, but I was a good teammate and I exhibited, I think some good leadership qualities. And, you know, I, I think I would have been an asset to, to potential military service. Uh, but then I, I break my foot, you know? So then that dream gets just fucking crushed and basically stripped from me for no one else's fault of my own and not listening to my body and overtraining. So then I was like, all right, back to the drawing board. All right, I'll get back to martial arts. I'll get back to fighting. So after a six year layoff from MMA, I decided to go back to the cage and, and, and fight. How, and how old are you this time? This time I am, man. So this is probably like 28, 29 okay. at this point. So there is some time where I was like getting a little older. Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely not getting any so younger. Real, real quick, go back. What happened with the court? Like, what did they, because I mean, like, that's just absolutely, the whole thing is a setup and ridiculous. Yeah, it was, what it was they, set up, like, long story short, um, they found out that she had done this to another boyfriend, railroaded him, prosecution that, that she was using, uh, later got disbarred for failure oh. to let the defense uh, permit evidence in the courtroom uh, and sent two guys upstate. So it was basically a horrible setup. Um, went through the process, uh, didn't have the money to really fight it in court, so they made me against my will take a plea, which was horrible, basically admitting to something that I never and would court, fathom doing. And of course you're... And I'm a guy. I'm a man. I'm a six foot three, 230-pound man with cauliflower ears. So who's, <laughs> yeah, you're who's, huge. Who's, who's going to believe my story? It happens all the time. It happens and, all the time. And I thought I was the only one. I thought I was like some outlier. I thought it was some like, you know. No, it's a it's a thing. Horrible, horrible, yeah. horrible experience. And I mean, look what's happening to Johnny Depp right now. Yeah. You know, prime example. Uh, it's a lot more common than we think. And it is something that needs no, to be No, but nobody addressed. wants to talk about the whole to no toxic No one wants to feminine. talk about it. Yeah. yeah. 
Let's just, let's just focus on dudes being horrible. Yeah, there like, dudes like being there's, horrible. Like there's no there's no woman out there that's ever been horrible. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. so biased. Or malicious or, or anything. Or antagonizing. And I think yeah. that's probably one yeah. of the biggest things. There's like straight women who are like, hit me, hit me, hit me. Like getting you riled up in your face crazy. I've seen it happen. 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Gareth brought this lady down twice. Cody and I both quickly realized there was an issue. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know want to get too involved so uh i get the call after he leaves the second time you know finding out what had happened i was just my my stomach just uh, it, was, it was horrible hard it was horrible for you bro yeah but you know like these things happen like and you've been you've you've failed uh, you're gonna call 100%. it a failure yeah. a ton more than i've ever succeeded yeah. yeah but what does that do to you man it catapults you to greater heights of success it creates grit and determination and never quit always forward attitude. And it essentially gives you the realization that no one is responsible for your internal happiness and no external circumstance should ever change your positive mental attitude for anything. You know, but I, it I would always even, get better. I would even, I would even say, and I, and I've seen this in my own life is these hard, these, I mean, these, these, these situations are horrible. Right. And we've all had, if you live long enough, you've had some bad shit happen to you. hundred percent. Right could be your fault could be somebody else's fault doesn't matter it's a bad situation i think they create opportunities without a doubt you have a choice you have a choice they create an opportunity for the for the next chapter and the next thing and, and sometimes doors open because those bad things happen and those doors shut to where now i'm like oh wow i am where i am at or i met this person or i did this thing or i got this opportunity because that thing happened exactly and that could change a person's life yeah you know, but when we're in it, we it's so devastating that it's hard to be like, oh, this is a good thing. <laughs> you yeah, know what you're I mean? so like, focused on you, you. To you, it's like the most devastating thing. Life, life's ever over. Yeah, life is over. Life, yeah. as you know it, is 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 done. Whether it be you know to end a career in the military, to end a career as a fighter, to go through a divorce, uh, it's the identity death that you suffer when there's a drastic, emotional, and sometimes traumatic change in your yeah, existence, yeah. and that can cause a ripple effect of depression, despair, anxiety. Um, and I think the best strategy around that is to just have the wherewithal to, to realize that we are the master and commanders of our fate and our mental happiness depends on not letting the external circumstances that we cannot control dictate our inner peace and our inner happiness and controlling the controllable and let everything else fall in place because yeah. it's never over. It's There's always a fighting chance. It's like getting flattened out by someone who's 300 pounds. Uh, uh, there's going to be a time where they gas out, and there's going to be a little split second of space and, and time where you can escape and just keep fighting no matter what because you never want to uh, – you know, do a permanent solution to a temporary problem, right? And a lot of people use that as, as the out. And shit, man, I, I've definitely been in the deepest, darkest depths of depression and despair. And, you know, you get to that point where you feel like there's no point in going on. And uh, that's a horrible place to be, but that's how, that's the only way you lose. That's the only way you lose. Yeah, you and quit. that's in your hands, and you fucking quit. If you, you keep going, like you quit. keep you keep going forward. Yeah, you're gonna win. You're gonna win eventually. Yeah. It may that's take a difference. while, but you're gonna you're gonna win. And I gonna, love the whole saying, like, and you know, I, I, you know, it gets repetitive about the jujitsu stuff, of course. But 
you know, the difference in a, in a, in a white belt or a blue belt and a black belt is they just forgot to quit. Exactly. They just kept showing up you just for however up. many years, yeah. whether it's 10 years, 15, 20 yep. years, you just consistently like the, show like the, up. like the guy who was 68 that started jujitsu and he yeah. just got his black belt. I don't know his name. Yes. Freaking amazing. Amazing. Like 70 something. I thought you were going to say the the saying from jujitsu that, that came to mind was, uh, good students, uh, don't need water and bad students don't deserve it. Is that what you're? Are you <laughs> I think that's a Dan Gable approach. Right? Is, you don't earn water until you win. This is this is my coach, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> I like that mentality. But it it, yeah. it it is though. It's like you, the only way that you truly lose mm-hmm. in life is when you give up. Hundred percent. Right? Other take, than I that, that's yeah. not an option. Yeah, it takes what not time it option. takes. You know, and then yeah. you have a choice whether to stay in that sorrow and pity party, right. or to move on and, and build something from you it. You have a choice. You can be the victim, or you can be the victor, and yeah. it's just that simple, right? And it's up to you to decide how you look at the situation, the problem at hand, and how you come up with a viable solution, right? But the sure shit way to not get out of that problem and to not create a solution is to be negative or to play the victim card, or the woe is me, or I could fucking write a novella. I could write a Spanish television series as all the fucked up shit that's happened to me and all the fucking devastation and disappointment. Maybe you should. That'd be Maybe cathartic. Maybe I should, man. Ah, some win opportunity that bad of me. Uh, and I could do that, but where would that get me? That would get me nowhere. You know, yeah. other than using it as a motivational tool for people that are struggling, um, I focus on the positive. I focus on on what's ahead. So, so you, let's just roll it out here. Yeah, you, you get fucked by uh, uh, an Amber Heard, um, and not in the good way. No, not in the fun way. Um, and then you break your foot. Yeah, because you're you're a big dumb animal. Yep. Um, and then now now we're yeah so now we're fighting. I, yeah, break my foot and I, I fucking destroy it to the point where I literally have to wear like these giant oversized uh, Air Jordans to, to do my PSTs. And I'm still running. And every time I'm running, it's crunching and popping and swelling up three times the size. Dope. Yeah, so it's great. Should... Awesome feeling. Literally, it would fucking go numb. There's times where I get you caught. There, there's, there's literally times <laughs> where I get stuck on the toilet bowl. So I, I, in the mornings, uh, and if Tyler, I ever get stuck in the bathroom longer than expected, it's because I can't get up. Or my right foot will go numb. <clears throat> and then I literally have to prop one hand on the sink and then Use one hand, usually not on the toilet paper roll. I've done that before, and it came down out of the wall. So I usually prop one hand <laughs> here, learned his lesson and, and then I do one of these. I like basically to get back up because my foot goes numb because I have nerve damage in the broken foot and just like bone fragments floating around in that fucking thing. Yeah. So it's like a club. I feel like Captain Ahab. Sometimes I feel like I have a peg leg that doesn't work. Although was, I do have a foot, it doesn't always function. How does uh, it feel when you swing that thing now? I, I actually. I don't really feel it that much anymore because I think the nerves are dead in. So I just swing it like a Louisville slugger. So I love, I love kicking, I love kicking people in the head with it. I love, uh, you know, kicking Tyler it's in my, the leg. It's my dead foot. I don't uh, feel yeah. anything. I wonder yeah, why that yeah. thing keeps touching me. <laughs> it's my stanky leg. So I, I like using it and I love kicks. So, uh, it, you know, it's just something I work around. Um, but because of that, my left knee has started to, to give out a little bit, but, um, long story short. So, you know, get out of the Navy process or just take some time away from that. Yeah. And that was a huge bitter pill to swallow. I felt like the ultimate pansy and never having served my country is something I've always battled with. And I know service comes into a multitude of different forms, but I've always had the dream of serving in uniform, right? Long story short, uh, decided to take an MMA fight, get back in the saddle and, uh, fight a very tough dude, you know, Ron Marshall, who, you know, had at least like 12 to 13 MMA fights at that point. At that time I had only had two uh to date and was taking a six-year layoff so come back against a game opponent and fight really with not that much prep time 
you know, definitely drew some attention and people were like, really, you want to get back in this even with a broken foot? But I did. It was something I had to do to get myself out of the doldrum and negative space that I was in. Which, and which goes against everything we just said. Exactly. <laughs> <It's like healing. laughs> but it was so healing to my spirit, my soul, yeah. and my mindset that it was worth Cause, any cause, risk of my foot. You needs, men need a purpose. Yes. We're like that. We're like a bad dog. And if we don't yeah. have purpose, then we're digging holes we're in the task yard. oriented we're, creatures. Yeah. The moment you lose that task, you lose your purpose. You stop wanting to get self, out of bed. You yeah. just self loathe. You yeah. self medicate, and then it's I, I knew self and then self destruct. You self destruct. Yeah. It'd be downward slippery slope. Yeah. So I, I, as as NSW thing kind of went to the wayside, I knew I had to replace it with something else. So I was like, all right, fuck it. If I can't, if my own country won't take me, and I can't fight our nation's battles, and I'll fight on my own terms as a fucking mercenary in the cage. And so that's what I did. I decided to just. And fight and uh had a good three round battle with uh you know ron marshall and you know afterwards uh you know shared a beer together and realized that a i love the sport for the competition and the the ferocity intensity of mma um and the training i love the journey in preparation everything from the weight cut to, to the weigh-in to the actual fight um and the beer drinking afterwards with your opponent i love the the respect factor where you literally try to tap nap or snap or knock out your adversary and then you drink a beer with them afterwards i love that that's something that i think more sports need and it's was a huge selling point in me loving rugby right so mma has that yeah. same quality hey, where did our uh where did our uh fire department applications fit in oh yeah so talk about that yeah, yeah gareth and i uh took a week and applied to the wilmington yeah, uh, fire department. Yeah, while you're in school. No, this was uh, what year was that? Like 15, mm -hmm. uh, 16 or something. Sixteen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I failed by like a point. So, of us so, so another failure. <laughs> another <laughs> another yeah. glorious victory in my corner. Yeah. This is what Tyler's really good at. Kick a man while he's down, right? I didn't get any. Have you done anything good with your life? The answer is no. Some guys we used to train with were like, "Hey, we're hiring. You guys should try out." Like we thought, like okay, cool. We're, oh yeah, shoe we're, in. So we're you're good. gonna, you're gonna get us in, right? <laughs> and we go in there, and like, uh, uh, basically failed one of two tests and had yeah. an interview that apparently sucked. And and uh, we we uh, were you we guys did, we like uh, what was that movie? Step Brothers. <laughs> were you, basically, were you guys yeah. like, two, yeah. like Step Brothers showing up for <laughs> firefighter duty. Yeah. <laughs> basically, I think they wrote yeah. that about us. <laughs> uh, so yeah, another point of failure. Another thing that didn't didn't work out or go according to plan. Um, I had to shave my damn face. I look like a little fat baby. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> baby, baby koala. Yeah, that was fucking hysterical. I hated that. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Thanks for bringing that up, Todd. I really, you know. <laughs> Good times. Hey, I didn't feel any better about it. for everything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, another add that to the list. <laughs> so, that, <laughs> uh, failures. So, so that first fight, did you win your first fight? I, I won. Yeah, I won, I won the first fight. And just having the uh, support and acclaim and being able to restore my family name and my reputation through my actions of representing jujitsu, boxing, Muay Thai with respect and integrity and my team and my family and those who supported me and realizing that whatever slander campaign this individual is on who railroaded me, uh, none of it was valid. It was all bullshit, and this, yeah, is, time, this is who time. I am. And I, I got to definitively fucking stomp my foot in the middle of the cage and let the world know, like, yeah. this is who I am, motherfuckers. And, like, don't get it twisted. Like, I'm gracious, kind, humble, and caring, but I'm a savage motherfucker who, if crossed, will destroy. And that was kind of the cool testament and the duality of martial arts that I like. You get to have the balance of, of both worlds, right? Yeah. And from that point, I, I had the itch, so I started to scratch it. And uh, at the opportunity of going to Minsk, Belarusia to uh, compete for the United States, 
And again, I, I proceeded to a small basement uh, of Steinway in Astoria, Queens, and I uh, met with Greg Gutman, who actually used to be on uh, Putin's uh, Russian Judo national team. And he proposed to me that the Russian Federation was sponsoring a team of American athletes to come over to Minsk, Belarus, to compete in like a world championship of hand-to-hand combat, which is basically combat sambo um, with less of a ground game. So combat sambo, you could take your adversary down and then keep them there, uh, and hand-to-hand fighting to make the fights more exciting, promote knockouts, promote exchange of action. Uh, you have 30 seconds to essentially finish your opponent on the ground. So, And if you don't, they stop and you stand back up? Yes, okay. exactly. What, what finishes are acceptable? So knockouts by fist, knees, kicks, um, you know, full gambit of strikes and any submission you want. Right on. Uh, so up, you up to neck cranks. You could even neck crank people. Nice. Yeah. So you can't do jujitsu submissions. You just got to do it in 30 seconds. You can do jujitsu submissions, but you have 30 seconds to execute. Damn. So it's like, it's just rapid fire. You got to wrap. You yeah. got to grab it. So yeah. I had Against these crazy. Athletes, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these guys, like most of them, they're all pros or box for the Russian national team or, you know, fought in Holland, Dutch style kickboxing or uh, represented Iran and. You know, karate. It, it was cool. It was like uh, kind of just like a, a kumite of guys from all over the world uh, representing their nation and their country. And, and almost we like went their there. own version of UFC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, we, you know, basically went. We were supposed to have four people go. And last minute, day before, I had two teammates bail out. Um, and it was basically myself, uh, my coach, Greg, his son, uh, Dan, and then my other coach. And my other coach at 63 years old, decided to compete. And uh, 80, 82nd Airborne vet, uh, Luis Ruiz, uh, pro-level kickboxer from New York, and tough was, as nails. He was how old? He was uh, 62, I want to say. Anywhere from like, I, God bless you, anywhere from 58 to like 62, 63, yeah. And uh, he went out there, man, like threw down, uh, right off the jump, got head kicked. I saw him like spit out a huge you know, puddle of blood from his mouth, bit down, and, and just kept proceeding forward. He, he wound up fighting once, wound up losing pretty handily, and then he got back out there and fought a second time. And, uh, I mean, that was probably the spectacle of the weekend. Like, just the whole arena was was up in applause, commending him for his actions. What um, kind of notice did he have to get in there? Like, two days. Like, two, he good. basically was like, yo, gee, I can't let you fight alone, man, so I'll, I'll strap him up. And he took one of the other teammates' keys and Dude, his, his gloves, and he fucking strapped him up. He laced him up, and he, he threw down, you know, like a fucking Jesus, like a, a warrior Just poet so you didn't on have short to fight notice. Alone. Just so I didn't have to fight alone, and I had the confidence of knowing that I wasn't the only one going out there. And it was crazy. We, we arrived at this arena. and um, Now, this is a, like a one-and-done kind of thing, or did you stay over there for this, a while? This was uh, a one-day tournament, but mm-hmm. uh, you had the opportunity to fight four or five times in one day. Okay. And so... Yeah, it was crazy. We got there like nine o'clock at night the day before the tournament. Of course, you're going across multiple time zones. Oh, we that's basically, horrible, yeah, dude. no rest. Like I slept for maybe two hours. You know, you get check into the hotel. You see all the other athletes. So you see all the Russian dudes who are all hydrated, who have been there for a week, training, acclimating. You see the Belarusians. You see the uh, Dagestanis. You see guys from Iran, um, Pakistan, like. Holland, Germany, probably all, all over the there. world. They're all, all recovered, recovered, all hydrated, yeah. um, very fluent with the arena and they've competed there before um rico rodriguez was the only other american one of the only other americans who went over there he went over there like two three years before and then i I was with the second second or third batch of americans to go for the first time and uh yeah so we get there we do the weigh-in um 
Mind you, I'm weighing in at like 225. All the guys I'm fighting, like 285 to 300 pounds. So I'm giving up like 60 to 65 pounds. So I was on the, the like just seafood diet. Like I saw food, I, I ate it. It didn't matter what it was. I was just trying to carb load, get the glycogen stores up, and just yeah. put on as much size and weight as possible, you know, without letting my cardio struggle, of course. Yeah. So we weigh in. I go to sleep. Uh, maybe What'd you, three what was, hours What was tops. the weigh in? I weighed in at like, I think like 225. Holy shit. And my first opponent was probably 245. My second opponent, like 285, 290. And then a guy uh, I fought in the semifinals was a good 300 pounds. And that's like the, six that, foot five. That's he was, the story, he was, he was, he was that's the, the story I want to get to. Yeah, he yeah. was the Belarusian champ from the year yeah. before. So get to the tournament. Um, Russia's got a team of 40 males, at least like 20 to 25 females, all in matching, you know, uniforms, track suits, warming up. Uh, every team, every country, same thing. Russia had the biggest team, and then maybe like Germany and France. Long story short, they're all looking professional as shit. They're all like orderly. They've got multiple coaches running them through drills. And my boy Luis and I are just there by ourselves, literally with the American flag on our back, just like, all right, let's fucking pummel. Let's uh, go through some kickboxing drills. Let's do some Dutch style technique and let's just fucking hope for the best. Let's just fight valiantly. Mind you, it was Memorial Day weekend, so we were representing not only uh, our country, but the, the yeah. memorial of all the people that have served and paid the ultimate price for that country, right? So, yeah, I, I draw a fucking Russian in the first round. Uh, actually, a, a guy from Estonia, so, you know, former Soviet country, yeah. but um, long story short, tough, tough kickboxer, very tall, lanky, probably like 235. And um, my, my strategy is because they just reintroduced low kicks to the sport that year, I uh, was to just butcher the, the lead leg of my adversary. So I saw him very like good, solid boxing. I knew I didn't want to throw hands with him, but I still did anyway, just to say, fuck you. Like I'll throw down with you. I don't care. Which is interesting because you're seeing a lot, a lot of that in the past year and a half Yeah, in the UFC. Yeah. Like it's kind of, yep. Yeah. And, you know, of course, I want to take it to the ground, but I only have 30 seconds. Can I yeah. finish someone? Can I submit someone with such a limited time frame? The cool thing about this sport is I would throw a three-piece combo, and if my adversary countered back with a three-piece combo, my points would be canceled out. Oh. So it's a beautiful concept because it promotes the counter exchange. Yeah. So literally, I'll throw, you know, kitchen sink at this dude three, four punches after that, and if he throws the same amount of punches – he negates my scoring points from right. those strikes, which is awesome. So it promotes this insane high pace intensity uh, that really you don't see in, in no, even a lot of MMA fights, right? Yeah, so back point. and forth, back and forth. You know, him and I just basically towed the line, threw down. You know, I was hitting him with three-piece combos. He was hitting me with three-piece combos. And then I would finish with a low kick. So I'd always chop, chop the low, chop the low. So that as soon as his leg would start to buckle, I'd see his left hand drop and I'd come over the top with an overhand right or straight right cross. I did that a few times to the point where he was so frustrated on the feet, um, hit him with like a front kick, uh, jumping front kick, and then backed him up. And then you could also push your opponent out. Every time you push him out, it's X amount of points. So butchered the leg, three-piece combos, finished with a low kick, and then went back right up to the stairs, to the head. That was my strategy. And eventually weathered him away, hit him with some good heavy shots. Um, he shot in, and as he's shooting in, I cinch up a guillotine. So the guillotine, his head's on the right side, the ref is on the left side. So I'm literally strangling this guy. He's tapping. I feel him going limp in my arms, but the ref doesn't see. So I literally bring him to the point of death, and then obviously – release and he regains consciousness but that was the first fight so i went up winning the first fight by uh submission. guillotine yeah. submission yep you guys you fight in a 
and a gi, right? For and this, a gi and a kimono. That's yeah, that's interesting as well. Like yeah. striking and so. It, and what, what kind of gloves? So they're they're like these. I don't know what the hell the material is. They almost feel like they're like. Uh, like buckshot filled. It's like this heavy weighted <laughs> fucking what? sand. And they look like, it's almost like you got like two hooks. So you put your fingers in this way and then they hook into this like big padded like bean bag and your thumb is exposed. So you could somewhat grip and grapple, but training with those gloves was annoying as hell. Cause I'd seen Shane like submissions in practice and then I'd have no ability or leverage to grab on the fabric because, like, the, the configuration of the glove is so weird. You basically have, like, two meat hooks and a thumb. That's it. So you're just, like, trying to grab and grip. So I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to punch this dude in the face. <laughs> and so that's what I did. So long story short, uh, you're very compromised with your grips. So it was interesting. Very much less uh, dexterous than, like, an MMA glove. Even, like, mm -hmm. a pride glove, the pre-curve gloves, right? But, um, you know, you make through what you got. So that, a, a traditional kimono top and then traditional kimono bottom so jujitsu gear with it reminds me of uh what was that movie gloves great i thought it was a great movie something you didn't like it born champion he didn't like tyler didn't like that movie the acting's a little little cheesy little cheesy yeah. but Whatever. the it overall story is pretty awesome yes yes yeah, so you that was on netflix it you was know, the, a great uh, movie it was a great movie you know it's a great movie one. fist foot way this way fist foot way i haven't seen, fist oh, foot I haven't seen it Guys, is that one of those korean martial art movies like cult classics danny mcbride Ooh. Oh, Jesus Christ. That explains it now. There we go. Thanks. Hey, I'm all about some eastbound and down. Yeah, we'll watch thanks, that. We'll thanks, watch it coach. Tonight. Schaefer BMW represent. <laughs> we'll watch that tonight, Garrett. Don't worry. We, we should. But yeah, when he goes over he goes over to Dubai, I think it was Dubai. Yes. And he's like, it's like an old school MMA fight. They're just mm -hmm. like putting two people together and he's in a gi yeah. with some gloves. Yep. Yeah, that's what it was like, I guess. Yeah, kind of like old school, like UFC one days where, yeah. you know, Hoist is in a kimono and he's fighting Art Jimerson who's got a free hand in one and then a boxing I think he was in that movie too, wasn't he? I can't remember. Maybe he, he was. Showed, I think he shows up did, at the end. Did he really? Yeah, okay. I think he shows up at that's the end. That's funny. Did you see it, Gareth? I, I saw a little bit of it. He turned it off it. as well, it sounds like. I didn't watch it in its entirety. Um, Kingdom is a good MMA show. I don't know if you that watched was Kingdom. Awesome. That is good. That was awesome. That is really good. My yeah. friend was a set director for that show, actually. I don't want to give anything away for that, but I was like, the yeah, ending, super, I was like, super, what the super fuck? Good. Yeah. yeah, it was a great movie. Wild. Like, definitely dark, definitely heavy. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so long story short, that was the first opponent. Eastern Europe, uh, I believe Estonia to be How much time exact. do you get between the first and the second? Uh, so in between, I basically, like, I tweaked my knee, so I think I, like, slightly strained my meniscus, and I'm telling my coach, I'm like, hey, coach, my knee buckled. Like, I, I don't know. It feels weird. I just want to let you know. He's like, so what do you want me to do? You going to be pussy and not fight? Or do you fight and represent the country? So, coach, that wasn't the option. I wasn't backing out. I just wanted to let you know that my right knee is pretty <laughs> fucked. Maybe some ice, and or I can't something. plant on it, bro. You got an ice pack? Like, you, you, you got some mineral ice for me? You know, no, like, grab lapel, grab lapel, yeah, squat. Yeah, ex exactly. I'm like, all right. Well, note taken. Uh, I wasn't going to surrender. I wasn't giving up. I just want to let you know the status of my body. So, the next person I fight um, is this monstrous Iranian, and um, like just at least two ninety to three hundred pounds. Heavy kickboxer. I watched him warm up. Super, super heavy-handed. He looked like a fucking Iranian Persian bear. And um, he basically, I knew what he wanted to do. I knew he wanted to just stay in the pocket and knock me out with his hands. And so, obviously, I didn't want that to take place. So, I needed to keep him in kicking range. So, I used a lot of teep kicks. <laughs> Every time he would get close, I'd 
push kick him in the sternum. I push kick him in the face. I threw a, a flying snap kick at his head and landed um, pretty pretty flush uh, and just pushed him out of bounds. So he knew that he was going to pay every time he tried to, to, to load up in on his punches and just start throwing down with me. So it was good. Like I, I set the precedent early and often. And he knew if he fucked around, he was going to find out either by my fists or my legs. So long story short, that fight went well. Um, he, he got me with some good shots. He clipped me in the back of the head. He got me with like some, some good solid combinations, uh, when he did pull me into grappling range. Um, and then I was able to, to basically, as he was trying to box me, I was able to get an overhook and an underhook, get a body lock, take him down. And then as I was taking him down, um, Got him in like a traditional case of Katami scarfold, dropped my inside hip on his solar plexus and just cranked his neck like with just swift, deadly fury. And he tapped momentarily. It's probably like the quickest, most forceful neck crank I've ever done because I was trying to rip his head off and I only had 30 seconds to do it. Right. So I finish him with a uh, traditional headlock, I guess, um, in judo case of Katami. Um, so yeah, that was how I finished the second opponent. So it was pretty cool. Like, uh, you know, you only have 30 seconds to finish an opponent with jujitsu and I was able to finish my first opponent with a guillotine and the second opponent what, with what, a case of Katami. What belt were you at the time? I was at that point. I was like a brown belt. Okay. Yeah. I believe it was a brown belt or wow. maybe purple belt with like three stripes. I think I was purple with three stripes. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'd been training jujitsu for like six, six, seven years. You, so you point. weren't no punk. I went no punk. Mom, mom, mom ain't raised no fool um, or punk. Uh, this was 2018. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, that was the second fight. Um, third fight was a dude from Holland. Uh, and then that basically was uneventful. And the fourth fight was I mean, the you reigning. Win, you reigning, win your third one? Yeah. Yep. Reigning champ. How'd you win, how'd you win that one? That was, uh, that was Decision? like. Yeah. That was basically what well, wasn't wasn't a good scrap it, it was just basically like yeah it wasn't did worth he, did he dance with you a little bit a little bit yeah. little dance little uh little slow waltz um <laughs> fourth fight was with the belarusian champ uh i'd watched him knock out and yeah this is like this is three what I hear, four I've heard four guys story. in a row yeah. and uh just almost like a fade or echo type like bald-headed just burly fucking russian who just had super, super heavy-handed boxing and was, was just keen on, on knocking every adversary out. So I watched oh, one dude fall to him. Size? He was like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, six, probably like at least 300 pounds. He's a big, big dude. So he like, had like 75 pounds on you. Easily, easily. 75 to 80 pounds on me. Yeah, I was like 225. He was like definitely pressing 300. That's crazy. Um, That's all you? 6'3". So I was definitely tall, maybe tall as some of the guys. Obviously not the 6'5 giant, but they had significant, significant weight and muscular advantage over me. So I knew I needed to, from a strategical standpoint, uh, outmaneuver, you know, create angles of attack and just use volume striking as well as distance and range mitigation and just my, you know, uh, superior cardio to my advantage. And that's kind of what I was able to execute effectively. But right off the bat, he's a southpaw. I hit him with like a, a straight cross hook, liver kick, fucking eats it like a champion um, and proceeds to just, Blitz me out of bounds. Obviously, he gets points for pushing me out of bounds. We then get funneled back into the center of the ring or the the mat space and um, proceed to, to kind of lock horns again. Um, 
this goes on for about four and a half, five minutes where it's just me trying to pick him apart from the outside and him just loading up on everything and trying to knock me out. Uh, was long getting, story short, was he getting gassed by that time. Just he, by, he was getting a little gassed. Yeah. Just and by throwing those, just by throwing. Yeah, yeah. He was starting to get gassed. So I was able to like take advantage of that and kind of pick him apart from the outside. Um, and, and I came to terms with the, with the full fact that I was probably going to get knocked out. And, and I literally said a little prayer as I stepped on the mat. I was like, please God, if I do get knocked out, make it swift and painless and make me, uh, <laughs> get finished in an honorable way you know so, especially so, being memorial and, and, that he, and that he stops when i knock when I yeah, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> please let him drop his hands and let me crack him in the jaw and put him out with one sweat punch hey, please uh, god i remember watching these either live or in close succession after they wait a minute did, did you these have, are out there did you have those did you have like a link or something i can't remember i, I think so that. i think it was on a link yeah these are out there the, the footage is like shitty i i should have had like a camera crew with me but i i do have like a grainy like cell phone footage of these fights uh yeah for sure oh so we can put if, you, if we can put these up while they're watching while we're talking about them yeah exactly oh, cool. yeah i got cool. i got some some footage um i have to dig through the archives but right. i'll i'll send them your way for okay. sure um all right, so that was, uh, yeah, basically wound up losing, um, you know, a decision. Don't get knocked out. Basically, by the grace you don't of God, I don't get knocked out. I don't get finished. I survive. Damn. Uh, afterwards, uh, you know, the, the crowd, I think, finally started to respect myself, finally started to respect I you told, the American flag and was, you know, one of the first Americans to make it to the podium. So, you know, nothing more prideful probably in my life up to this date than, than to have the American flag wrapped around my shoulders and step on the podium with, you know, the Belarusian champion, uh, the guy who, you know, won two years ago from Russia, and this international pool of very talented mixed martial artists, boxers, judo guys, combat sambo specialists, and just being amongst those ranks – uh, was was a very rewarding and and, so, and highlight. So that experience. last fight, how many rounds was it? It was just one. So it's yeah, just yeah. One round. These are one uh, like five to six minute rounds. So very quick, very uh, you know tournament style MMA essentially with the kimono and like a combat. How was Sabo? How was he judo in rule the set. end of that fight? He was cool. He was he was definitely no, no, tired. No, no, like, he, yeah, was, yeah, physiologically, yeah. yeah, he was definitely tired, definitely gassed. Um, but had I gone back and, and of course hindsight's 2020 20, I, I would have went in with a little bit different of a strategy but i, I just knew like well, if, of I, if it, i stood toe-to-toe toe with him i like every fight every every match you're always yeah gonna, you can always improve you're always going to look at it and yep. go i should have done this i should have done that it, yeah. exactly you can always get better right there's always marked areas for for improvement um so yeah that concluded basically the tournament i uh, got third place out of uh you know all the competitors of all the different countries so how many people <laughs> total um in my bracket, man, probably like, say like twenty five, maybe. And you took third at it, and, and the only American. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it was it was cool. It was definitely like a, a pivotal moment and something that really kind of catapulted my momentum. I mean, I mean, I had literally before I left, I had clients telling me like, you know, gee, I'm really worried about you going to Eastern Europe and Russia. You know how tough the Russian people are. You know, I. Mr. Gotti, you know, I, I'm good friends with John Gotti Jr. He's, he's one of my sparring partners and it helped. He had helped me in preparations for this trip. And, uh, you know, Mr. Gotti, you know, Teflon Don Jr. is literally like, gee, I don't feel safe with you going over here. If you need anything at all, here's my number. You give me a call. I said, Mr. Gotti, consider it done. I'll be all right. I'm either going to come home with my shielder on it and the American <laughs> flag draped around my corpse. So uh, if I do go and I do go out, I'll, I'll do so honorably. And uh, I had a client. Rose, K Wood, shout out to Rose, who was literally like, gee, you're going to get your ass beat. 
I'm like, oh, thanks, Rose. Really thanks, appreciate thanks. the encouragement. Yeah, I thought you had more faith in me than that. Thanks, thanks, but no thanks. But I told her, you I was like, you, you uh, Rose, out. let's we not forget. Yeah, you find out who you your homies out your real, are. Who actually fucking are, believes yeah. in you? I was yeah. like, fuck, I thought I had more supporters than that. So uh, uh, I was like, Rose, you never do. There's, there's less, always there's always a there's always a haters. Yeah, yeah hate, always, hate is hate is gonna hate, man. Yeah. So uh, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know how tough the Russian people are. Well, I was like, let's we not forget the tough, gritty fighting spirit of the American people, who as mere farmers with pitchforks disposed the world's greatest army the world had ever seen in the At 1700s the time, yeah. during the American revolution. So yeah. fucking keep the commentary to yourself and let me do me and let me represent my nation with fucking integrity and uphold the highest honors of those traditions. Right. As someone who is fucking going over to Eastern Europe. And I was just like, all right, whatever. I'll fucking, you think I've been locked up been to jail, been fucking stabbed in the back with beer bottles. Like I have guns pulled out on me. You think I'm scared of a fucking Russian or any man for that matter? Don't get it twisted. I'll go over there and I'll either fucking get knocked out, submitted or I'll fucking submit and knock out someone else. Those are the two outcomes, and either outcome isn't that bad. You know, I'm going to come home alive. I'm not getting blown up. I'm not getting shot at. So You do it tomorrow. And I do it tomorrow, yeah, 100% on site. Like, <laughs> Crazy bad. To me, it's just it's natural. It's a natural discourse. It's like breathing. Like I enjoy fighting. I, I love to do it. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's just it's a natural occurrence. So that was basically Russia, and, and or Belarus, I should say, to be more specific, uh, Minsk. And in Minsk, uh, after the fights, we all went out. So, like, all the teams and all the, uh, you know, supporters went out to this, like, cool medieval town in the middle of Minsk. And they have all, like, the Orthodox churches. They have cobblestone streets. Really nice, like, 800-year-old architecture. It was, it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. And the irony of a place like Minsk, Russia, is that you can literally get jail time for smoking a joint in a park. But you could totally get blacked out drunk, jump on a fucking horse for, like, a measly 10 bucks. Gallop through the streets of Minsk, Belarusia, pick up two chicks, throw them over your saddle, and proceed back to the hotel. And that is totally socially acceptable. And I watched it happen on countless occasions. So did you watch it? Did you watch wild it? place? Did you watch it from horseback? I did not. I did not watch it from horseback. Although, in hindsight, it would have been a lot cooler if I did. Uh, There's people on the roofs above the bars drinking beers, like crushing bottles of vodka so of let course me, let me ask you this so you, you go out there with the whole like every all the fighters right yeah all from all the different countries mm-hmm. was there any tension or political bullshit no everyone was cool as hell like isn't people that interesting were so elated i think to have the stress of the fight over because that's the first thing it's like the sigh of relief of like all yeah, right i'm no done. longer enemies with that person that that is no longer my fellow combatant it is now my comrade and my friend and now i can enjoy breaking bread with them i can enjoy yeah. diplomacy i can enjoy learning about them and their country and and I still keep in touch with these guys. You know, I still have friends in Iran. I still have friends in Eastern Europe. I, you know, actively that's, keep tabs on them. That's what I, I love about the, the overall, the sport, sports in general. Mm-hmm. I think that it, it uh, for the players, not the countries, for the players, for the competitors, it just, it transcends all the bullshit. Yes. And it's on a human level. Now we're, now we're human beings of earth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Outside of all the bullshit. Yep. And it's amazing to me because um, you see a lot of the military as well that you know you you separate from all the political bullshit and it's like you're literally like we're doing the same thing yeah we're comrades and yep. bleed the same way. blood we bleed the same blood bleed the same we blood. breathe the same oxygen and air and we have yeah. the same substance coursing through our bodies and we're more similar than we are dissimilar and I wish I wish more people under, like could experience that and understand that because I've done it in my time you know both the military and competition and different things and yeah. How it's like, 
all that bullshit that everybody's bitching yep. about in the, you know, in the media and the States and on social media, it all just fades, it all just away, fades to, away. It all just fades yeah. away. And, and you realize it's <clears throat> all the institutions that we've been indoctrinated with, whether it be religion, uh, political orientation, um, viewpoints, you yeah. know, borders. Right. And those are all forms of control manipulation and the tactic of, of governments and societies keeping, you know, you in your lane. You in your lane, yeah. yeah. And once you break those barriers, you realize we're just human beings yeah. orbiting on a fucking, you know, meteor in outer space, you know, <laughs> right, yeah. with no control of any definitive fucking yeah. opportunity to dictate any of our future right. happenings, right? And the moment you realize that is the moment you can start te treating people and teaching people through empathy uh, how to be a more compassionate human being. Yeah. I think the majority of people would, you know, on the everyday level would say that, that they would treat each other fairly and kindly anyway just the exactly media and then people getting uh brave behind the keyboard 100 shout out to those keyboard crusaders right. we're coming for you yeah we're gonna find you we're gonna find you all of you <laughs> so okay so uh you get wrapped up with russia you come home yep everybody thinks you're awesome um you didn't die all your clients are like oh i totally it's thought you were gonna die right. there right. didn't wow. die sorry i got a new <laughs> i got a new coach man yeah. sorry <laughs> Exactly, um, and then uh, so did you get right into EP stuff after that? So so yeah, I, I had done uh, some executive protection. Um, I actually went down to the Mexican American border that year uh, and was working on a project with a team of military veterans, uh, Sheriff Sharp, uh, a few other political figures, and like three and four star generals who were trying to build a wall and close uh, the largest cross section um, outside McAllen, Texas, right on the Rio Grande River. So we we're basically in like Sinaloa cartel country, and we watched first hand as human beings were a trafficked across the border and then just on their own free will uh you know walking across this like very thin stretch and body of water into the united states and basically all they would have to say is you know i'm seeking uh political persecution asylum and i would like to enter the country and basically ice and dhs and everyone at the border all the patrol agents at that point just let them in and there's nothing that they can do and so you just see people pouring into our country really unchecked without undocumented masks. without masks and yeah, not adhering to the covid policies or protocols whatsoever and you know i was shocked i was like not only is this a huge violation of national security this is also promoting huge human violation rights where literally women will for three months take birth control every day because they know once they get to the borders these cartel gangbangers will literally rape them sex traffic them and and just exploit and abuse them in the worst possible ways um but it's better than where they were but it's better than th where they were so they'll risk everything and they'll That's risk crazy. dying um being raped having their children sold from underneath them to escape their current situation because they think it's going to be better and there's a lot of disinformation and the cartels obviously want people to get to the borders and so none of that shit is publicized and this was 18 so this was this was 2018 yeah 2018 yeah well, so go back. How did you even get that opportunity? Like, how did you very get fortunate. Yeah, very fortunate to be plugged in with uh, like a select group of individuals uh, from the Joint Terrorism Task Force, from like the upper echelons of the NYPD, top brass guys who have worked for three letter agencies. And 
Is this all through all networks through fighting? All, all networks. Yeah, a lot of them were like clients of mine, or okay. a lot of them were clients who then introduced me to a secondary referral, who then was looking for a guy to fill in on an EP detail with the mayor of New York. And so on a whim, I jumped on board, and then from that point, they, you know, I, they enjoyed the service and, and basically establish a report with those people. And then they started to call me for other jobs and other gigs. So and, when did you, cause you've got a heavy, I mean, you've got a, for a, a civilian quote unquote mm -hmm. civilian, you've yeah. got a heavy background in, in, on the tactical side, obviously yeah. because you're an EP work now. Yeah. When did that kind of, <clears throat> how did you get that opportunity to start honing the tactical side of not, obviously you know how to physically mm -hmm. handle yourself in, yeah. in an EP environment and take care of people. But <clears throat> So where did that come into play? Yeah. So I just realized the, uh, the, the evolution of, of like combatives. And although I was very skilled at, you know, unarmed combatives and skill sets, I needed to implement and incorporate, you know, plated techniques. I needed mm -hmm. to incorporate firearms right. training. You know, I was always fascinated with native American culture. I was always fascinated with my Viking ancestry being someone who's from Sweden, whose great grandfather was a shipping captain who was out to sea for, 300 plus days out of the year and, and who basically had a grandmother who ran a self-sustaining farm uh, with her mother in Dix Hills, you know, which was unheard of back in the 1920s. So I come from that background. And then on my grandfather's side, uh, we're from Alsace-Lorraine, which is uh, basically the border of the Black Forest and where Germany meets France. And that's where, you know, a lot of the Hunnic barbarian tribes were from. Uh, so that's the, the bloodline on my grandfather's side and my mom is from ireland so we got the celtic bloodline as well so long story short <clears throat> i've always had that kind of inclination and and um connection to kind of a military history b combatives c just that yearning desire to protect the people that can't protect themselves through any means necessary with either armed or unarmed uh means of implements right yeah, and you and I talked a lot when you started to first pursue this because of a lot of the social things that were taking place. Yes. And that need for protection. Protection yeah. for ourselves, family. Uh, you yeah. Know. Yeah, I, I saw, you know, as, as someone who was at, at that point was recently married, I saw a yearning desire to want to protect my wife and safeguard her. And so, you know, being down in, in Florida, where for the first time I had the ability to own a firearm, um, which is something that's unheard of in New York, unless it's a shotgun or a rifle, and even that's hard to get. Yeah, I, I realized with all the riots, with all the burning and looting, and the certain volatility that the world was taking, uh, that it was imperative that I protect both my biology as well as the biology of my wife, my family, you know, people in society who couldn't defend themselves. And yeah. so, at that point, I started to. You know, purchase pistols. Um, you know, I started to, to get into rifle shooting. I started to find subject matter experts so in this, pistol so you, shooting and so rifle you did shooting. The training you did on your own. It yeah, wasn't I even, did it on my own. I saw it like it wasn't part who, of like a contract. No, they put no, you through I, or something. I basically or, invested the resources and I just dumped a ton of money into my own training and development. So, took, so back to taking ownership, <clears throat> you're like, I need to know this. Yeah, these, so I'm going to invest in myself. Hundred percent. I was, was like, these are imperative skill sets. I have to get proficient in. Yeah. What was the name of that course? It was in Texas, wasn't it? Oh, so, so yeah, that, that was for uh, combatives. So that's uh, C4C, shout out to Chad Lyman, Jay Wadsworth, Jay Gawk, all the C4C crew and progressive force concepts. So that is uh, the, the training schoolhouse that I go to out in Vegas. They do a lot with the uh, LVPD. They do a lot with uh, 
TACP, Air Force Pararescue Units. Um, they worked with SEALs. They worked with a lot of Tier 1 units as well. And, and basically, uh, they do, you know, tactical training, CQC, CQB. They, they run a really great executive protection course. Um, so I was a graduate of that, and that was with a bunch of State Department guys. You know, all the three-letter agencies were represented, a lot of ex-military, so, uh, some soft people as well. And basically that was a week long intensive training on the pillars of close protection, executive protection with the end being tactical shooting and an FTX in Vegas where you basically have, uh, you know, a mock scenario. My guy was a, uh, a weapons, you know, trader who was doing a Saudi arms deal for <laughs> 84 missiles. And I basically had to trail him throughout the day we had multiple persons of interest um i had to protect him from and in a team of five to six with a driver we executed this ftx uh as a way to develop and, and test our skill sets in the realm of executive protection but the training never stops i, I dedicate at least 15 to 20 percent of my annual earnings towards training and development uh this upcoming weekend i'll be up in new jersey uh training with my good friend bill brown who's a SEAL team operator and uh, someone who's running an urban survival tactics course. So like CQB, CQC, um, both with carbine as well as pistol. And then I'll be teaching the combatives like unarmed portion of that. And awesome, man. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, skill sets that everyone should know skill sets that everyone should have. And what good are we as men, as women, if we can't protect those who we love. I'm gonna, somebody I'm gonna, else's holster. Guys, That's the biggest motivation. Talk. I'm going to pee. I, I, when I get back, I want to talk about uh, kind of kind of going into more into EP and like thought process and things awesome. like that. That sounds great. Yeah, you uh, you just become someone else's gun holster, right? Well, well, that's it. Yeah, I it was it was funny. I mean, I, I had a situation this past weekend at the F1 and. Uh, you know, I'm basically running like an extraction. We got to exfil this crazy chaotic parking lot that is uh, the outside perimeter of Dolphin Stadium. And I mean, just insane logistical nightmare uh, when you're working with you know a high net worth individual who's got a B attached to his name, and and if gets kidnapped, uh, could potentially be extorted for everything he owns, and millions i mean billions of dollars will then also be taken from all of the investors in this company you so big stop. big potential and risk you aversion. also stop getting paid at that point yeah this is well we'll get into that uh without too much detail but but long story short um <clears throat> you know at the f1 uh we're, we're leaving the f1 and uh you know this individual like comes up all posturous like just flexing putting his chest out there um, basically like threatening us, like threatening my partner and I, who's a re former recon Marine, um, that he's going to like put hands on us if we, if we cross this little fucking fictitious line that he's protecting. And, uh, you know, obviously part of me wanted to jump on him and, and use his holster as just that, put him into a situation where he is the human holster. Of course I would never do that. But, um, this guy who is literally blatantly oblivious to the fact that all of his weapons are completely exposed. He's in my personal space. He's about to put hands on me. He's threatening me. He's basically put me in a compromising position. And I've already thought of five to six different ways to completely dismantle this individual, either in an unarmed or armed fashion. Um, so why I say that is you never know who you're fucking with. And it's a lot easier to just be a cool cat who treats people with respect. <laughs> <laughs> right. Best way to win a fight. Yeah. Not start, not talk not shit. Not start one. Yeah, don't talk shit or you will get hit. And verbal judo before physical jujitsu, right? 
walk away. I, I've averted more fights than I've ever been in, and I'm, I'm proud of that statistic. I might grab some energy real quick. Do it. What do you want? What's your What's your flavor? That's not energy. That's just a coconut water. Yeah. You ever heard of this guy, Jason Kelly? There's a monster, and then there's the melon. The the melon mana is in the back. You want that one? Yeah. Yeah. That's your. This way. You guys gonna share? Yeah, we share. I'm gonna take a sip. He's gonna take a sip. I'm gonna stick my tongue in the can, and then we're gonna talk about it. Okay, cool. You ever heard of this guy, Jason Kelly? Looks looks familiar. He uh, he runs a, a course out of uh, where is that? It's called C two T two. It's down in um, somewhere in South Carolina. Um, but I'm I'm considering trying to have him. He said he he stopped by the gym. What we should get Jay Wadsworth. We should get Chad Lyman. We should do a C four C course, and we could do an instructor course at Crest. BJJ. That'd be dope. Be awesome. I'll yeah. I'll help organize that. Yeah, let's make really, that really effective stuff. The amount of testing. What I was going to say. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. When you say let's, what does that mean, Tyler? That means he does it, and I. <laughs> I show. Up. I just, I just want to be super. I just want to be super clear because that's what I was super make, transparent. Make sure you knew what that meant <laughs> when he says let's do Tyler's that. So <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, Chad, Jay, they would love to come down here. We'll organize that. You know, get all the local, you know, New Hanover County sheriff's departments, police departments. We've got uh, down. We, in uh, July twenty third, twenty fourth. We've got Sean. You know his last name? No, but I can get it. Okay, it's uh from Silverback Academy. We just went up there. Episode, oh, very cool. Episode one of Let's Roll. Yes, um, I watched it. Yep. Yeah, it was dope. Cool. Um, cool. I'd love to see you roll with him. That'd be great. Yeah, because he's like, on an. Yeah. First time I ever saw Tyler get his back taken. And <laughs> choked out. <laughs> and, and didn't he tell you that? Didn't he ask you that? It's like, been a while since you had your back taken, huh? He's like, oh, yeah. yeah, it's been a few years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he'll be down 23rd, 24th. Oh, and, awesome. And then sometime shortly after that, we're going to get Tom down here too. Cool. Yeah, keep yeah. me posted on those dates. That would be. Yeah, definitely. Be it, it feels good to be back in Wilmington, you know, uh, living here for Close to six years going to college here, you know, really establishing some firm roots in this area and being Stoopman. back on the coast is, is awesome. Sean Stoopman. Um, if you if you guys are listening, there's a podcast where we talk about how horrible he is. Did you see what he did? He posted that because I because I shared that I shared that story because he shared it because we were uh, they did a clip where we're talking about how horrible Sean is. Yeah. And he goes. And so I shared it and then I put the link in there to the podcast and it said, Sean is horrible podcast. And he shared, he goes, I'm not sure if that's the actual name of the podcast. <laughs> so we're going with it. But enjoy. That's awesome. But enjoy, yeah. Um, no, you would, you would, you know, it's, I get that, you know, obviously for me, it's a lot easier to find people to, to, mm-hmm. to push. Yeah. But as you get, you know, that's why you have to travel to, you know. And, exactly. You know, you have to find somebody that's better than you to, to continue. 100%. Um, he's definitely one of the, <laughs> one of those yeah, individuals. No, I'd, I'd love to, love to know. get some training in with a man. Um, Anyways, so EP man, yes. so you you're heavy into EP. You've you've um, I don't I don't want to throw client names anyway. I'll let you do that. But you've done EP work for some of the biggest people in the in America, yeah, and yeah. The world. So, and, yeah, I mean, um, and most most of the most of the individuals uh, you know that we do work with have, have bees attached to their names, and, and with that comes uh, 
a certain level of intensified uh, risk mitigation that is necessary and needed to, for the most part, prevent them from being kidnapped and then extorted. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently, it was on a detail uh, where the client had threats from the Semaloa cartel and was basically in jeopardy of being kidnapped. Um you know, held for ransom and then potentially having obviously all of his assets liquidated and seized. Uh, so where we come in is is kind of as the phalanx and barrier between uh, those persons of interest and our client. Um, so we were basically uh, tasked with protecting a villa, um, not only just protecting the villa, but the internal components, um, you know, the millions of dollars of, of cash, um, and fiat currency, uh, as well as the, you know, billions of dollars worth of technology, uh, and all that stuff, you know, obviously is important, but it can be replaced, right? The the human life and the human capital is, is the real reason that we do what we do and why we're, we're so heavily armed, uh, when we are in a detail. So for the last two weeks, um, that was what I was tasked with doing was basically running a team of 15, um, armed individuals, a crew in the morning and then a crew at night doing perimeter security, um, static positions, both in front and behind the villa, as well as roaming sentry details, um, gathering intelligence, you know, with two counterintelligence FBI agents who were basically feeding us intel on the threat to our client uh, because he repetitively kept getting uh, menacing phone calls, death threats via email, text message, and then, uh, you know, blocked number phone calls right so it's amazing that they can they have that ability to like they get all your stuff yeah and and they triangulate and they know exactly where you are when you're going to be there and you know so similar cartel is one of the uh groups of interest we also had the hell's angels uh after our client um we had the albanians and then and then the russian uh kind of mob figureheads uh in the world that are that are all looking to you know extort and 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 hold for ransom you know these these individuals um so definitely like on on the top 25 list uh and and most of the guys that we work with are like you know top 10 what's your in the world what's your stress level with that like what are you so the last two weeks were were a very heightened uh level of stress i really didn't sleep much um was maybe sleeping for like 30 minutes a day because if something happens on your watch man yeah and then also i was watching necessarily your fault but it's on your watch yeah it's on my watch and so by proxy of that it it kind of falls on my shoulders so in our team shoulders so uh we we were also doing like data analytics and and studying the the trending uh crypto markets and Mm -hmm. so with that being said not only were we worried about the physical safety of our client uh but we're also worried about the technological uh you know pitfall of the the market crashing the way it did so it was very very stressful in the sense that if we you know slipped up or we didn't monitor the numbers correctly um and we failed to wake or notify our client you know basically the entire crypto market would have collapsed under our watch and billions of billions of dollars from billions of people would be completely liquidated and you know we could have caused the imminent collapse of the entire market. So there's a certain level of inherent stress with that as well. And that wasn't something that we signed up to do. That was kind of like a, a task that we just got slated with. And then we were like, all right, I mean, this is, we're paid to perform a task and mitigate risk and, and liability, mainly in the form of human capital. But, you know, now if if the, the, the show gets canceled because 
the crypto markets crash, then we're out of a job. So it was just something that we were slated and tasked with doing. And, and, you know, I felt honored to, to have that opportunity um, to a learn about the trend in crypto markets, but then B to, you know, have just a high profile position in safeguarding, you know, um, yeah. that industry. And, and it, and it was great. It was really cool, but, but very limited sleep, you know, um, heightened sense of awareness at all times. And, you know, we had, we had vehicles that were scanning our perimeter. We had vehicles with paper plates and three persons of interest in particular that were pulling reconnaissance on our location, uh, both from the front of the villa, the sides of the villa, and then also behind the villa, um, by boat and wave runner and jet ski. So we couldn't do anything. We could just watch and, you know, had, I had an M4 for most of the two weeks, um, you know, a, a six hour full, you know, Legion X5 on my hip and then something in a, in a, in a fanny pack, which I call the Manny pack, uh, so that I was ready to go at all times, um, as did everyone in our crew. Um, so we had two armored up vehicles, um, followed by two Suburbans, and then we had uh, state trooper escorts at all times. This way we could just slice and dice through, through traffic and kind of take like a, a presidential motorcade approach to any of the places that we needed to go to. Um, and then if we did take contact, we basically would usher our client into this vaulted uh, lockbox in the back of the armored up Escalade um, and then just, you know, engage and then get off the X as quick as possible. So the people that we had, um, the people that we do have are, you know, ex-military, ex-three-letter agency guys and girls who are all highly qualified. And um, we pride ourselves in hiring, uh, you know, Leo vets, military vets, and giving them employment outside of you know, their careers in the military. So on that real quickly, let's plug the, let's plug the company. Where can, yeah. they, where can they apply? So, so because you've reached out to me, like, hey man, I've got two spots for vets. Yeah, like ab- let me, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so Roman Sanford is is the name of the company. Um, it's a veteran-owned company, um, founded by uh, Dylan Bowers, who's a, a third group Green Beret. Um, also, somebody who worked for Ground Branch and Luke McNamara, uh, Air Force vet, um, SWAT operator, and uh, recently slated detective. Um, and our team, you know, I'm the security director for that company, and so we have a team of uh, eight personnel. Uh, we have a CIA Intel analyst, um, who gives us all of our intelligence, who plans and creates all the SOPs when we are going overseas. Um, and some of the events that we've run, uh, you know, Jan from WhatsApp, we, we've done his, uh, you know, parties. We've done stuff out in LA most recently for the, uh, sports illustrated, um, swimsuit Super Bowl party. Uh, we do a lot of high, high net worth, high end individuals parties out in the Hamptons in the summer months. Um, and then we just ran three successful F1 events, um, down in Miami. So we really cover the global market and provide close protection, executive protection, um, intelligence, counterintelligence, cybersecurity, um, you know, like character and reputation, uh, risk mitigation, um, and everything in between to eliminate risk for the clients and ensure their safety and security. Um, and the Hamptons are your favorite, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So honestly, I say that I say that sarcastically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you know what? I, I love being out there in the summers. It's great. Um, I love the fact that there's no. I meant the work. Oh, the the work. Yeah, yeah. It's, the it's, parties. It's it's yeah. intense. Yeah, I mean, it's intense. It's it's a grind, but the exclusivity um, of our clientele and the people we get to rub shoulders with and just the stories we get to hear and and be a fly on the wall to are pretty freaking incredible. Yeah. And unreal, like it, you have to have, have to pinch yourself to, to to like realize whose presence you're actually in. Sometimes it's pretty awesome. Two things: 
<clears throat> excuse me, um, one, just because I don't really know enough about it, but if something does happen to your client, what level of responsibility do you guys actually truly have? Is there you mean like, le- like legality? Correct. Or is it just your name that's on the line and you'll never get hired again if something were to happen to the... Yeah, I mean, the, you're, you're never... You're going to get blacklisted from the right. industry and, you know, kind of like the bodyguard. We're not bodyguards. We're executive protection agents, close protection agents, but... Much like uh, the the situation in Paris where the Kardashians get $3 million worth of jewelry stolen, you know? Yeah. Even though it was a lack of their situational awareness and their, their bodyguard was off getting them something, he still took the fall. He still fell on his sword with that, right? So, yeah, if you slip so up. what, what happened to that guy? Happens, I, don't, I don't remember. Yeah, he got fired. He probably, you know, will have a it. very hard time getting a job in that industry again. And, you know, it's kind of make or break, you know? Yeah, that so. sucks. It does suck. That's a hard. That's a hard. That's a thing. hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you just go. You just go till you fail, and if, if you don't <laughs> fail, you're successful. If you do, you then you lose your job. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. All right. And then number two. Sweet industry to be right. in. Right. That's <laughs> awesome. Ton of security. Ton of stability. Yeah. Number two. Can you tell uh, anything about that one story up in? The, I think it was the Hamptons. That you told me where there was uh, basically like a shootout or about to be. Well, yeah. So I can't mention the names, but two of uh, kind of the rapper elites um, at a private party this past summer. Uh, one of the performers is on stage, killing it, you know, having a great performance. Everyone's vibing high, good energy in the party, in the environment. Um, and then another individual who I guess is slighted or had some outstanding beef with this individual storms the stage. They get into an all-out fight. I'm basically holding back the entourage of the performer and the attacker. So I'm in between a group of like 10 dudes all swinging on each other. My boy Eric's holding line with me. My boy Dwayne. We got some heavy hitters. A lot of guys who train jujitsu. Um, we got we got Green Berets on on the rooftop with nods because there's people trying to sneak in through the bushes and literally bribe us fifty thousand dollars cash to get into this party. Um, Fuck that! Fucking dude. wild. Yeah, literally like trying to extort us and bribe us to get in. I mean. We we had to how we many, had to I, I had to I had to, I had to, yeah, I had to yeah, how many, I had to, how many did you sell I had, I, had, I had to deny at the door of French Montana if that tells you anything so like these are some of the people that were having to turn away let alone yeah. the people that are there I'm just curious how much how much off the black market did you make that night you know uh, <laughs> off we'll, we'll discuss off record no uh, yeah no I would never I would never you know because the moment you you fall into that trap. You lose credibility completely. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just never worth it. Never worth it. And we pride ourselves in our integrity and honesty. But long story short, all out brawl breaks out. Of course, gets pushed into the worst possible spot to get into a fight, which is a kitchen. And oh, right yeah. as one of these individuals is about to grab a Michael Myers like butcher knife and thrust it into his adversary. I yell to my, my partner, Luke. I'm like, Luke, fucking knife. Grab the knife. He grabs it, pulls it away from the individual who's trying to use it as a, a, a stabbing weapon and we get everyone from the kitchen now outside to the street. So now we're having this melee. It's like at this point, maybe 10 to 15 on 10 and 15, I'm caught in the middle. We've got a bunch of guys also caught in the middle. And right as we're finally after about 10 minutes of this melee transpiring, trying to defuse situations. And then there's that friend who's fanning the flames and, and fucking riling everyone back up again. You know, obviously expletives are being, you know, thrown back and forth at will. And it's like the cheesy, you know, hold me back. I'm going to get him, bro. Hold me back. And, you know, if I'm going to fucking take someone out. No one is going to stop me from doing that. I'm going to fucking lay hands on this motherfucker if it's the last thing I do. I don't care if I die trying. These guys, you could clearly tell, you know, it was all about the image. It was all about just acting like a bad show. dude. They were putting on a show. W- without actually being a bad dude. Yeah, yeah. So putting on a show. Finally, the show starts to, to, to wind down. 
And then as we're ushering the antagonist group into their vehicles, one of the guys in the antagonist group pulls from his waistband a gun, draws down on us. Now we're caught in between a loaded weapon. The person who got attacked and all of our agents are in the middle of this potential crossfire. Uh, my boy Jay runs up to him, is able to basically get the weapon, get him to dislodge it, and then usher them into their vehicle so that they're able to make a, a swift exit, but really to the point where we were about to draw down and potentially eliminate the threat that was Who this yeah. posted up yeah. to us uh, as this individual pulled the gun from his waistband. So moral of the story, like, don't invite people who have potential beef to a party. You know, make sure you, you heavily vet the guest list right. and make sure that everyone that is there gets along, is in accordance with one another. There's no outstanding issues or tiffs. And make sure that there's some sort of pat-down process. I know they don't want the exclusivity or the, the uncomfortability of, you know, high net worth individuals getting pat down or having some sort of wanding, uh, you know, checkpoint. But it is imperative to prevent something like this from happening. I mean, honestly, if he deployed that weapon, uh, he would have gotten dropped very quickly and he would have been dealt with. But had he got a few rounds off, you know, there's – no saying that an innocent person might get caught with a stray bullet, yeah, right? Somebody's dad. Somebody's we we mom. eliminated yeah. that and we mitigated that risk um, tremendously, and we were able to safeguard uh, those at the party, our agents, and everyone involved um, from a potential catastrophe. A few other experiences like that. Um, we were waiting for this massive firework extravaganza to take place on the beach. I remember you had, had dumped yeah. a ton of money into, you know, getting all the permits, having the right personnel to execute the fireworks show. Long story short, uh, unbeknownst to us, the fire marshal comes, threatens us like completely. Oh, God, if you guys do this, we're going to write you tickets. We're going to write you summonses, this and that. You guys are going to get fined heavily. We're like, we have the permits. We have the team in place. They're having fireworks, they're having fireworks. Why are you singling us out? And why are you targeting us and preventing us from effectively throwing this party? Long story short, uh, after she leaves, my boy Dylan, everyone was like, should we do it? Should we not do it? All of a sudden, he gives a thumbs up. He's like, send it. So we send it. We set up this huge, I mean, it was about $150,000 worth of fireworks, you know, into the night sky. Um, as we're doing that, we basically have some individual who's stumbling on the beach belligerent beyond belief and i see her from afar my teammate and i flash her with a light as she's about to stumble face first into this monstrous daisy chained explosion wind up grabbing her and pulling her aside directing her away from getting blown up into a million tiny brazilian booty parts and <laughs> long story short prevent this inebriated white girl wasted chick from getting fucking blown into a million pieces and so there was a lot of situations like that like people so, getting cut where we had to like perform their you know, first aid like yeah. people sneaking in um a certain individual's hair going up in flames Woo. and literally going up in, in a fireball and me having to fan the flames and basically pat her hair before she got like brutally scolded Wild and, stuff, and that person's that person's <laughs> husband is now a semi friend of yours, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah we rock out together. So, and 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 in a lot of the same circles, which is is pretty cool. So, yeah. 
Yeah. It, so it, the, the lesson here is don't be white girl racist and go fall into a $150,000 of Bingo. <laughs> don't get white girl racist. And don't if you do. Don't get white girl wasted at all. Don't get white girl racist at all. Exactly. And if you nothing, do. Nothing good. And, comes and, from if, and if you do, holla at your boy. <laughs> 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 and this knight in dented armor will be there to save you. <laughs> yeah. IG, uh, his IG is below. <laughs> Slide into the DMs. <laughs> Hey man, I got a whole list of uh, pals that are interested, and in, they're all coming to train tonight. <laughs> For <laughs> oh, some reason, they're all like, convenient. "Oh, Wednesday, cool, we'll be there." Oh, look at that matchmaker. Yeah, yeah. Let, me, let me show you um, while oh, we're on here. Oh, do not get me in trouble. Do I'm not, not get, real. I'm not getting you in trouble. I'm not dropping any names. <laughs> not, oh boy, not publicly. I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't blow your cover, babe. <laughs> that's amazing that's a stare. show a picture of who she is that's where it's at let me see let me see don't say it out loud careful careful man we're gonna you'll, you'll be living back in north carolina you know I mean? <laughs> roping me in yeah this is all part of the diabolical plan right yeah get me on always forward podcast you know rope me in with some uh some siren women and then uh get the, the permanent move to come back to Wilmington so I could train jujitsu with you guys every day. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have Rolls. Gareth. We're going to nice. have Gareth at, uh, at Crest probably more often now. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. I, hey, I love it here. It feels great to be in, so, in North Carolina. So you are officially, you're, you're finally, after all these years, you're leaving the communist state of New York, leaving the communist Republic of New York. Uh, this last year I've, been basically living out of a suitcase so i was in vancouver a lot mm -hmm. i was in palo alto california back and forth between the east and west coast traveling um most recently i was in abu dhabi yep excuse me so i was living there full time and uh you know kind of by a, a happenstance and change of heart I decided to make the full-time move back to the united states we were, we were kind of talking about that this morning like you were over there you were staying in the four seasons like it was yeah. it was nice living you're getting beautiful. paid good beautiful yeah but it wasn't it was uh it was it was luxurious and and i was very fortunate for the opportunity um but what i had to forfeit was my own personal solitude day and and my own ambitious daily pursuit of jujitsu of muay thai of boxing of well i think connection too I connection you're, yeah you're you, I, something i know about you is you really do crave community and Soulful connection community connection yeah. and with the exception of of the team i didn't have any of that outside of work and i also lived where i worked so there's no disconnection yeah. um and so i crave that 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 just camaraderie that unless you're at a jujitsu academy unless you're at a crossfit gym unless you're at a muay thai academy it's very hard to find yeah uh, those like-minded individuals cut from the same cloth so today we filmed episode three of let's roll so if you haven't checked that out go check that out um and so like today we did jujitsu in the morning yeah you know and then we did some ice bath work and then went to breakfast and yep. and we were like as we're, we're recovering from the ice bath in the sun and we were kind of talking about that. You were mm. like, this is what I've been missing. I'm yeah. missing like training in the morning, getting an ice bath, soaking in some vitamin D and then going to work and then going to do things. And you just don't have that in that kind of lifestyle. So. Yeah. And and being at the back end and call for a client, um, you always have the go bag ready. You're always ready to rock and roll within a moment's notice. 
and you go straight to the FBO, you jump in a private jet, and you're basically wheels up to go anywhere you're in the living, world. You're and, living for other people. Yeah, and you're living for other people. You have yeah. no semblance of a schedule. You have no semblance of normalcy. You have yeah. no ability to like have a routine. I mean, I had a routine. It was very structured when I was in Abu Dhabi, but then when I was on the road, you know, all that goes out the window yeah. because now you're 24-7. You're monitoring the markets, you're you're monitoring and safeguarding your client, and you are literally responsible for one of the highest paid individuals in the world who also uh, safeguards and protects and preserves the equity and wealth of some of the most elite people in yeah. the world. And so there's a lot of pressure, a lot of stress involved with that. And so you're always on edge. You know, you're yeah. always waiting for that text message. You're always waiting for that phone call. You never really feel like you have disconnection and you can decompress. So... So you're back in Florida. You're moving back to Florida. in Florida. Yeah, back in, in Miami, um, down there full time. Going to use that as my home base. Yep. Still working with clients. Um, so there is, you know, the propensity to travel quite a bit. Um, but run, running Roman Sanford down there, um, you know, also work in collaboration with another company um, and called Mosaic Group, and basically. Uh, you know, working full time, you know, with, with a client, um, who's a big tech guy an individual who needs close protection services, yeah. um, all the while running high profile celebrity events. So gearing up for a very busy summer out in the Hamptons. Um, and then also gearing up for, you know, a very prosperous fall and winter, um, upcoming in Miami, you know, nice. so things kind of wind down as you know, it gets super yeah, sultry and humid in, in yeah. Florida in the summer. So, uh, the, sh the shifted focus will, will then be Eastern Long Island, New York mm -hmm. City, and then um, we have quite a few opportunities in L.A. as well that we'll be tending to over the next but couple months. But it's not months. the same thing as long-term EP and, you know, yeah, the, these are these are uh, private events. Yeah, and and so really, you can keep your community, you can keep your training up, exactly. You can, you can still keep focusing on yourself. And yes, I think a lot of people f for they feel. I think that for individuals in our community, we get trapped in thinking that we have to do this thing mm -hmm. for the money. Yep, but then we lose something on the back end, like you were talking about this morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you have to balance that and you have to be okay with going, well, wait a minute. I'm going to take less money mm -hmm. and live my life. Exactly. Because now I'm exponentially more happy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Vice vice, just grinding. And what happens is then is like broken relationships. And yep. Yeah, so great. You've made a yeah. bunch of money. But then what? Then what? Yeah. yeah. And, and shout out to, to a good friend and brother, Antonio Miseraca, who runs uh, Paramoto, a private military contracting uh, firm, and then also uh, the Global Empowerment Mission, who uh, is sending hundreds of, of millions of dollars worth of medical supplies, first aid, food, water, uh, all the necessities over to Eastern Europe and Ukraine to aid in the uh, recovery process of that you know, war-torn country. Um, and then also uh, Aerial Recovery Group, which does the uh, rescuing of orphans and, and refugees from the battlefront to uh, bringing them to places in Poland and other European countries to safeguard them and, and protect and preserve their ability to live a normal life. Um, so I'll actually be down uh, June 3rd through 6th. I'll be down in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, training with them getting ready to uh, basically learn all the prerequisite skill sets to uh, extract refugees from Eastern Europe and then other war-torn areas throughout the world. Um, so when I'm not doing executive protection, private security, um, that's my mission set is to kind of put myself in the fray and help with causes that I feel ardent towards, you know, uh, yeah. being a part of. And so the refugee mission 
Uh, also going to be going down to Africa in the winter to do some anti-poaching um, with Veteran Paws, uh, a group of yeah. mainly veterans who, you know, yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. I know when they first got started, I remember. Yep. Yeah. So They've grown a lot. They, they have. Yeah. yeah, there's some really good organizations out there. And so I've always had that, that military itch, and I think for reasons outside my control, it never worked out um, as I expected. But that doesn't mean I can't still serve, you know, uh, in I the tell, community I with tell, jiu-jitsu. I tell yeah. so many people that, and, like, they get so hyper-focused on, like, the only way to serve is the military. I'm like, first of all, it's not necessarily the best thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Take it from me. You know what I mean? And then, two, there's a lot of places and a lot of ways that you can serve your country and your community. Yes. And it, the military isn't just the only one. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. And you've done that. Yeah. Basically the entire time. Mm-hmm. You know. And you're not institutionalized. Yeah, and you're not institutionalized. <laughs> exactly. And and I like that aspect of kind of being a Ronin, right? Ronin is a a emperorless samurai who picks and chooses his own battles and seeks on the path of self-improvement and perfection and safeguarding society. Uh and and lives a Kaizen like existence. Kaizen well, it's, is it's the uh, the you know I'd rather be a a, a warrior in the garden than the garden of war. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'd rather be at peace. Me. I don't want to do. I want to do my life. I want to be left alone. I want to be left alone. I want to do my life. But don't get it twisted. And it's, if it's time to go to war, you're I'm, fucking I'm, lethal and, uh, yeah. and swift. Yeah. Like I will flip the switch. Exactly. Nick you know will I mean? cut his hair. Exactly. I, I will cut my hair. <laughs> um, I I want to pay less taxes. Yeah, <laughs> don't we all? Don't we all? Um, but that whole that whole you know that whole concept like you cannot be you cannot be a a, a peaceful man is not necessarily a good man. No, a man no. that's a weak a weak man is yeah. not is yeah. not a good man. You, you have to be inherently dangerous. Yeah. You have to be inherently skilled at violence, and know when to. But I think the exhibit lethality yeah, if you have to. I think you know? some of the most violent people in the world are also some of like m- all of my friends are hippies. Hundred percent. All yeah. of my friends yeah. that I came up with are most deadliest, yes. dangerous people assassins. that I know. They're all assassins. Exactly. And they're all like, yeah. like, how can I wear the most colorful, you know, board shorts and shirts and wear my <laughs> flip flops and just like smoke weed on the beach yeah, all day? Be as chill as possible. But when push comes to shove, be a fucking lethal assassin. Yeah. And and uh, my friend Mitch Aguiar, shout out to Mitch, massive supplements, mm. um, violent hippie, violent hippie. Yeah. Yes, that. I need to get one of those geese. I'll, I'll get you. I'll get I you one, get one and I'll get geese. you uh, one of the tie dye rash guards. Yeah, they're, that's, they're dope as hell. So, violent yeah. hippie is kind of a concept. It's of that like, whole concept, yeah, right? Being yeah. extreme at violence and being extremely proficient and capable at lethality, and you know, if you have to, ending the life of someone else to safeguard you and yours, uh, but then also being transcendental and being diplomatic and being courteous and being kind and compassionate and being a member of society that adds value, doesn't right. take but gives. You know, right? Yeah. Um, all right, let's do this. Give me, yeah, give me that, babe. So we have this thing. Okay, you are at 35? 34. 34. 34. All right. So I think I think I know where you're at, but we have to do this test. Okay. And you've got some other, and you picked, that's what you picked? Yeah, so these, these two. No, hold on, hold on. You smelled this, and you picked those. Yeah, well, I sprayed a little bit on my bits and tits with the, uh, the slick spray. Okay. And then I tried some of the Formula 49 clay pomade just to get the flow as impeccable and manicured as Tyler's over here. Yeah. So this, and is, this is what I want you to do. Let's put he's those He's 35, babe. He's on the cusp. This he's 34. could go either way. 34? 34. 34. Okay. Yes. When's your birthday? Uh, November 6, 1987. Okay. All right. So I'm not going to tell you what. 
but there is an age group. Let's see. Okay. Let's see if you're if you're young at heart or if you're an old man. Or from old soul. All right. If you're an old soul. Let's yeah, I like that. I like the way they said that. Cool. Young at heart or old soul. So here we go. So you're gonna pick one of these, All right. and you have to. You're gonna smell both of them. Okay. And if you need to take a drink, if you need to like, you know, blow a snot rocket, whatever you gotta do to recover, mm-hmm. and then smell the other one. Okay. All right. And you gotta give me. You have to pick one. Okay. Life or death. Life or death. Only one. Only, Only one. one yeah. Okay. This is our Johnny Slicks organic pomade. We're just using this. We're just using this for this for the scent test. The scent test, yeah. yeah. Are the names properly marked on these? Yeah, of course. Ooh, I like that. Kind of like a pine tree essence. Reminds me of Christmas time, uh, with more fragrance and sophistication. I like it. Really. And for those of you who don't know, one of our the nostrils. one of our biggest one of our biggest ads right now is uh, if you've seen the guys, if if you've seen. Um, yeah, it's nice. If you've seen the commercial where we're talking about beast wash and we're we're a bunch of naked men in the in the river bathing, that was us in in uh, the PB Abate fight camp. It's um, one of our highest performing ads. It's our it's one, really, it's yeah. Amazing. And that's an and that is Gareth explaining <laughs> what beast wash is because nobody had soap and I happened to bring beast wash, so we <laughs> I I provide provide soap for everybody. <laughs> Nothing better to butter your beastly nipples than the beast wash, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Ooh, that's nice too. So you, I, you can go back and forth before you make a decision. All right, let's see here. Maybe sniff your um, nitro stout in between coffee. Yeah. Supposed yeah, to yeah, clean yeah. the palate. Hey, this, this uh, is a no-brainer, by the way. Uh, for me, for you and me, there's no brainer. You know what I mean? But you know, he's a younger guy, and you know, maybe. But he's on the cusp, but he can go either way. So I'm gonna go with this one. Which the, one's that? The rugged. Yep, you're in the, the you're in the rugged. You're in the rugged. You're so in the, I'm here. I'm in, I'm in the geriatric, you're there. I'm in yeah. the geriatric so you, category, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, could, oh, I knew uh, that was the more you know sophisticated. That this, so rugged is for thirty and over. Remind, okay. Reminds me of my grandfather. Yeah. Is that why you don't like it? <laughs> no, no, not at all. He's a, he's a great man. You <laughs> smell is, you smell like mothballs, Sonny. <laughs> that is not what it smells like, ladies and gentlemen. No, I don't it's, know. <laughs> it's a fantastic scent, it, and he was a great man. He uh, uh, Pearl Harbor survivor. Oh Serving damn! Navy. Yeah, he's respect. He's great. So, um, I just like the uh, the the tropical sort of feel of this one. Yeah, more. Tyler, Tyler's a little fruity. You yeah. know, it makes sense. Um, See, what, what, what are you using in your hair right now? Using I this have one? original and uh, paradise. Okay, okay, so paradise is an off is an offshoot. Okay. That's a, that's a that's an outlier. Or oasis. Everybody What's likes, the difference of paradise and oasis? Um, grapefruit. Ooh, yeah, it smells great too. Nice. Oasis, really both. Smell awesome. oasis, I think, is more like cut grass, like fresh spring mm-hmm. kind yeah. of thing. Okay, and then paradise is like starburst. Tropical. Tropical, yeah, yeah. you know. What so, I mean? so, Allie, question for you for the female yes. uh, host is: uh, What would you rather run your fingers through Nick's hair with and smell in the morning? So I got to be honest because that's really what created, um, We've created sort of a what is it Pavlovian response? Yes, I mm-hmm. think. So now I can only smell rugged on him, and ah. and we put it on the baby. So okay. like I'll walk past it, and I have warm and fuzzies Ooh, all over my whole that's body. That's what you amazing. Wear. Yeah. So you saying so, if I wear this, this will give me female attention? Of one hundred percent. How many confirmed? Wow. Twelve confirmed. Twelve confirmed pregnancies. Wow. By immaculate conception, right? There's no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they just get a sniff. They, just, they get a sniff. They get a sniff, and, <laughs> and then nine months later, <laughs> I'm pregnant. After they pregnant with twins. So no, uh, so, this sounds dangerous. I don't so, know. <laughs> There is a there is a warning on it. Um, use it to your own risk. Um, so, legitimately, over thirty is rugged and omega. Okay. Okay, and then under thirty is original and alpha. Cool. Yeah, which you have some alpha right there, but that mean that means you might have not smelled omega. 
Yeah, this smells awesome too. I, I love the. They're uh, all gr- they're all great, but it's we've seen over a period of time over uh, we're we're over a hundred thousand orders. Wow. in with Johnny wow, Slicks. That's impressive. Yeah. I'm I'm Omega all the way too. See, that's the thing. It's it's weird. It's you get over you get over a certain age. I gotta, and, I gotta try the Omega. I guess, yeah, I think I that you I think that you would you would if you're gonna lean rugged, you're gonna lean more Omega. Okay. They have yeah. the same spiciness. Yeah, it's like a spicier. Yeah. I I like uh, so. In the Middle East, obviously, oud is a very popular scent. It's uh, it's part of a tree that they burn, and then it turns into this like oil. And, and most of the uh, colognes in uh, Abu Dhabi have some semblance and trace element right. of, of oud in it. And uh, it's said that when women in, in Abu Dhabi see men, sometimes they go oud as they walk by. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's never happened to me, but rumor has it. So uh, I like the kind of rustic, like rugged kind of smell. Yeah. And so. Obviously, this has it. It's got more like the, uh, maybe like the cedar or sandalwood I think type it's, notes. Yeah, tobacco. Tobacco. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to smell like uh, like gunpowder, gasoline, <laughs> tobacco, <laughs> tobacco, whiskey, they're, bourbon, they're and and like yeah, uh, I'll, I'll get with Johnny and be like, Johnny, I need gasoline. <laughs> Yeah, um, 100%. Jet fuel, jet, jet fuel. JP8. <laughs> get, some, get some grass clippings in Get there. some grass clippings. And maybe a little hippie lettuce, you know, to bring it all full circle. Uh, <laughs> it's my new Edith toilet. Can I buy for men? Uh, like that could be a hit. I think that's could. Sex Panther. Sex, sex Panther. <laughs> Made from bits of real panther flesh. Yeah. <laughs> Works 60% of the time every time. So legitimately, <laughs> that's how Tyler and I met. Legitimately, on we have reviews of this that people started wearing this. Like, man, I've been I've been friend zoned from this girl, yeah. and then I bought Johnny Slick. Oh, threw, like the, threw the rugged oh. on, and boom! Next thing you know, I'm going on a that date. Her pants fell off. Her yeah. pants they melted. They incinerate. Wow. <laughs> so, anyways, that's uh that's Johnny Slick. All that's organic. Awesome. All organic. Um, smells great. Yeah, it's just amazing stuff. That's yeah. like, that's there's a reason why it's a seven figure business. It's incredible. I and, tried um, the the alpha. Um, you know, because uh, I'm all about giving a testimony of a product that I've tried, and and it was awesome. It was really good. Um, put some in the hair. It's nice. Uh, so yes, yeah, so we have three different things. Yeah, you've got a textured. Uh, so product. oil base is a is a a light hold mm-hmm. with a high shine. Okay. Formula 49 is a medium hold with a matte matte finish. Okay. And then the water based pomade is a high hold high yeah. shine. That's what I, I like the high hold high yeah. shine. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. The, the so. Formula Forty Nine is also. I mean, they're really all good, excellent. but yeah. you know, if I had long hair, I'd use something like this. If you yeah, know, exactly. Yeah, this yeah, is like for my shorter hair. This is like the Formula perfect Forty Nine is where it's at. Yeah, I like yeah. to mix a little bit of both. Yeah. Okay. Get a little so shine. that's what, so that's what I do um, when so I do it gives at the, the gym. Yeah. So I I'll actually do Formula Forty Nine, uh-huh. and then I'll put. Um, it's funny, Johnny and I were just talking about this on his podcast. Um, I'll take the the oil based for okay. my beard. Yep. To kind of shape it, condition it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a beard bomb. Yep. And then I use the remnants to kind of to rub in Tyler's eyes right before yes. you're rolling with him. Yeah, nice, yeah. nice. Captain Insano shows no mercy. <laughs> no, and then and kind of put a, a finishings on my hair. I like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then that's how I keep that's how I keep uh, Miss Capper naked in the sack. Ooh, that's how there it we go. There yeah. we go. The clothes just inst- like poof, it's off. Boop. I don't know what happened. I blacked out. (laughs) I don't even remember it. I don't remember. Wow. You don't have to remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's obviously working. Uh, I got mine. It's good. Yeah, yeah, IGM. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, dude, what's next, man? And where can people find you if they want to support you and... Yeah. Your, what's your business? How can you help them? So, so GTH Consulting is my business. So, uh, it covers uh, basically executive protection services, security consultancy, as well as you know strength and conditioning, human performance, uh, boxing, Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, 
self-defense um, and basically from a holistic standpoint, safeguarding not just the human being uh, and the human capital, but also their families, society as a whole. And then uh, from the real estate side of things, uh, protecting title and the transfer of um, title and chain of title from seller to buyer during the real estate transaction process. So GTH Consulting is a company predicated upon Excelsior service and providing safety and risk mitigation services for people's most important investments, which are obviously a, their family members themselves and their real estate portfolios. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome, dude. Well, like, th- dude, thanks so much for coming. Oh and man. This, man. Huge honor to be here. Yeah, man. John, we'll, we'll do the, yeah. You son of a bitch. You son of a beautiful mother. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, this was a freaking outstanding podcast with some awesome stories. You don't get to meet people like this. He's he's one of he's one of a kind. So if you got something out of this, which I know you did, go ahead and screenshot this, share this on social media, and tag all of us. Uh, my wonderful coach um, and uh, the killer koala, the killer koala, and then also there's um, Gareth as well. And uh, we'll all share it. You know, engage with us, and if you need something, reach out. Reach out. Other than that. You guys know the deal. Never quit. Never surrender. You always keep moving forward, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Awesome. Out.